The Bartender Ramp Podcast is powered by CIC Powerbox, your all-in-one portable power solution for commercial and residential projects, roadside assistance, or personal recreation. Call us at 802-468-7697 or visit CICPowerbox.com. CIC Powerbox, wherever you go, go with power. Welcome to the Bartender Rant Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Haley. We are back here again on our wonderful journey through the gauntlet. My co-host here in person all the way from Kansas. We are at the Elwood Mansion, the Pool Room Studios, recording another wonderful episode of this show for you wonderful people. Now, I know my voice sounds a little hoarse. It's because I had a wedding party come in out of fucking nowhere, 40 people off the top rope last night, uh, Friday night at Das Beer Hall, and I had to do a lot of yelling. I got, in, uh, I actually got into a verbal alterca- altercation with the bride's uncle, who's being a real, real cunt. Now, the good thing is the bride and the groom regulars of ours, so everything worked out just fine, but... Despite my very hoarse voice, I do not feel weak. I feel strong today. We have a gem of a guest on, somebody we have been hunting down forever, and I am thrilled. I am excited. I may have just fallen out of a hammock five minutes ago and come crashing (laughs) back down to earth, but gravity will not hold us down. We will soar through this show and through the gauntlet. Before I introduce our esteemed colleague for the day, I must bring in the one, the only, my feather-haired friend, Michael Windsor. Steve, you look so smart and handsome today. I really hope that you can write some new material because I was, it is. I was at the bar last night, and this whole story about his, you know, throat being hoarse from this. There was no wedding party. He was making some extra money out behind the dumpsters. What, what it was? Yeah, it yeah. was the best ten dollars I ever spent. Let me tell you. I'll tell you what. I, um, you know, you suck enough cook's dick, and you you get your orders coming out first. I'm just saying that's how you really get them tip percentages up. But seriously, can you write something better? Because as much as I love being called smart and handsome, every fucking time we do the show, it is getting okay. a little bit old. So he, when he's when Steve said that he fell out of the hammock, he, that wasn't like a euphemism. We were outside hanging out before we got started, and he was. If, if the longtime listeners know the story about how Steve and the lady met, Steve was telling the story. He's laying in the hammock. He's got his arms back behind his head. I'm, yeah, I'm hitting the so. cre- I'm hitting the crescendo of the story where I'm the biggest asshole in the world, and I'm like. I'm telling it like it's a musical number with a smile on my face and I'm, I'm just it's kind of bouncing along and I'm, I'm swaying back and forth in the hammock and then all of a sudden one of the hammock sides come on <laughs> came untied <laughs> Go the ahead, one, the, the, no, yeah, that's it. You have fucking just this, this, this shitty grin on your face, and then boom, just right into the concrete. Yeah. We all had a really good laugh. So yeah, did we? <laughs> I, my elbow hurts. Um, thank God it was not my uh, my voice box because we're gonna need it for another wonderful episode of the show. Michael, what is new, buddy? Um, the hammock thing. That was my one. Well, the hammock thing is is new and funny, but like <clears throat> Regina finally left, so that's nice. Well, just she's just going to Rite Aid. She's going to be back yeah. here shortly. Can you actually? What I'd like you to do is tell the listeners about the wonderful shit kicking good time you guys got to have up on the farm last night while I was at work. Yeah, well, we went to DOS, which was nice. But then, well, you, what, you just been going hanging out with my wonderful friends. Yeah, Dirty Tom, playing music Dirty and Tom, just catching Brian, up. Brian, both been on the show, Emily and Drake. We had a great time. And Oleg, of course. Uh, yeah, no, we just had a great time, played some music. One uh, of farms. No, we didn't go out there. No, no, he, he has a baby now. Uh, but no, we had a great time. Regina got to see how cool all of my friends are, which was nice. So That's that's awesome. And it was uh, it was great to see wonderful Miss 
from last night as well. Um, and they, and they, they gifted us with the bottle of liquor that we're drinking tonight. So thank they you sure did. We got a magic bottle uh, for this particular episode. All right. You know, I, I feel like we've kind of half-assed this what's new. So I'm going to add one more thing, and then we're going to get into the show. So last night, after a 10-hour shift at DOS, after the wedding party comes in, after I put up with all this bullshit... Um, Mike and Regina close down the bar with us and I tell the bouncers, nah, it's cool. They can sit and stay. These are my friends. They're from out of town while we're closed and let them sit and drink. And, uh, we get to the end. I'm exhausted. The rest of the team's exhausted. Regina's exhausted and it's time to go. We walk outside. We lock the doors. I'm about to get in my truck and I start looking around and I go, where is Mike? Where the fuck is this guy? And Regina goes, he ran to Walgreens to buy cigarettes. I didn't run. I walked. And I looked at my phone, and it's at 3.15 in the morning. And I'm like, this motherfucker has a carton of Marlboros at the fucking house. I'm giving him a free ride home. I just worked a 10-hour shift. I want to go. And he's nowhere to be found. And we got to sit there and wait an extra 5, 10 minutes from him. I the street. I wish you would have got hit. Okay? I was worried you were going to get <laughs> hit, and now I wish you got hit. I was hit. walking around trying to tell jokes for cigarettes because I didn't have any. And this one guy from the wedding party, a bald dude, was smoking a cigarette. Can I tell you a joke for a cigarette? He's like, yeah, you can tell me. So I tell him a joke, laughs his ass off. And he's like, yeah, I don't have any cigarettes. <laughs> And then I, the line that you had, just take I was it. just, I was like, you have dumb hair. What is it? Bad hair or you have dumb? bad hair? You have bad hair. And yeah. I walked away. That was great. I always yeah. like to use the one from It's Always Sunny occasionally. Your hair looks small. Your hair looks <laughs> small. Yeah. <laughs> Say something nice to me. All right. Um, Barflies, thank you so much for listening. Brand new listeners, occasional listeners, thank you for listening. Guys, we do this show for you. We are trying to hunt down every local bartender in America, get all their best stories and bring them to you because I know that you love good content and great stories. This is not our day job, but we're going to keep doing this if you guys keep supporting us. Help us build this amazing community and please share this show with people you know. If you want us to come to your city, reach out to us. We'll start a GoFundMe. We'll get uh, we'll get it rolling with some bars and restaurants in your area and we'll come out and interview your local bartenders. But um, as we always say, if you do want to get more involved in this show, in this community, listen at the end. We have a great outro that Mike and I put together that has every possible different way you can get involved. You can rep the show. You can show that you're a true bar fly. So listen to that outro. It's actually a ton of fun. There's some buttons, little gems that Mike hides in the at the end there. Um, lastly, before we get into the meat and potatoes for today, we do have our disclaimer Mental health is a daily practice. It is something that we all struggle with, and um, it's not something that we achieve. It's something that we have to manage and be conscious of at all times. This particular industry and, and service industries in general, they wear you down when it comes to mental health. You're dealing with people. You're expending a lot of human capital, and a lot of times what we do is we self-medicate or we repress into ourselves, and um, we're not taking care of ourselves. And so... Look, if you guys are struggling, please reach out to Mike or I. We are not professional counselors, but we are here to listen. We would love to chat with you. We um, have dealt with a lot of these same things, and we would just love to be a sounding board. So DM us, email us, and let's chat. If you do need professional help, please do not hesitate. Mike put some services at the end of the show. Reach out to them. If you, you're not taking care of yourself, you can't come back here and enjoy this show with us. And we want you to have fun, and we want to have fun, but we got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And as Mike always says, this world is a more interesting place with you in it. Damn straight. All right, without further ado, we have an exceptional episode coming up for us. I'm excited. Coming up for you, coming up for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Um, we have Andrew. Nope, we got to shake that out. It's fine.
Oh, just the first name. Oh, because he's he, like a real. He has a real. He's a real. He's person. like a real. He's a real person. Yeah, I got you. Okay, we have Andrew <laughs> and the Straight Makers Marks. Makers Mark. Here we go. <laughs> He'll tell the story. Quit fucking interrupting. Here we go. Andrew, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yes, if you wouldn't mind just sitting slightly closer to the mic for me or pulling the mic closer to you. Is this good? That's great. <laughs> can you hear me? That's great. We can hear you. We can hear you. And the people can too. Um, do you know that you've been on like a CIA level um, like kill list for two years where we have been trying to hunt you More down than two years. Yeah, to be on, on the show? Years, yeah. When we sat and came up with the first idea, we were like, well, who would we get on the show? And Mike goes, we got to bring on my restaurant daddy, Andrew. Andrew, <laughs> no last name doesn't exist. Um, we got to get him on the show. And it's always been this kind of like weird fantasy that maybe one day Andrew mm-hmm. would come on and join us on this on the show. So, well, Mike has a lot of fantasies about me, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm happy to finally do the show. Yes, man. And it's so good to see you again. I've, uh, you know, I know you and Mikey were close working together and good friends and i had the pleasure to know you back in the day but uh i've missed you you look great he does you look, look great. well he does man he's a he's a you're a snappy dresser these days i gotta tell the, the, you the short shorts really everything's good tapered <laughs> hey it's five inch in seam summer baby you know you, gotta, you gotta let them summer <laughs> you gotta let them fly the, them thighs shine um but what is uh what's your excitement to do the show how are you feeling today just about getting uh getting in here getting on the mics putting it on wax I'm feeling great about doing the show. I've I've been trying to avoid it for, as you said, <laughs> yes. years now. But and Mike very, finally wore me down <laughs> very successfully. I know that <laughs> you have done you've done quite masterful work. Uh, usually, um, usually we're able to pin somebody down six to eight months. You've somehow made it two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So bravo to you. Um, well, I want to get kicked right off with our cocktail history. Okay, you have chosen. Macker's Mark. I'm sorry. I'm I, should, sorry. I shouldn't have. Get, I, I apologize. Can we get right into the name? Because I, obviously it's Maker's Mark, but I heard. Uh, no, no, it's save it. Save it for the gauntlet. Oh, okay. He has a specific. I, I already now. ruined it. I know. Oh, okay. Save it. It's hazing tease. pranks. It's a, it's, a, it's a radio tease. Hazing pranks and games. Got it. Okay. We'll Keep get listening, back. folks. And- we'll get we'll get back to this in a little bit. You brought Maker's Mark on the show. Tell us why you picked Maker's Mark and how we're going to drink it today. Well, we're going to drink it straight today. Pretty much everywhere that. I've worked. Maker's Mark is the drink of choice. You really? get off your shift, you go to the next bar, and you have a Maker's Mark neat and a beer. Okay. So, so a higher end boilermaker. Yeah. This is how the other half lives, folks. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting world out here. Um, not all of us can just do KG and Natty Light all the time. Um, so Maker's Mark straight is that? Are you adamant about having it neat? Do you ever drink it with ice, or you know, when you serve it, do you look frown upon those who drink it with ice? I don't think I've ever had it with ice. I know that I have served it on the rocks, but for me, it's it's just Maker's Mark neat. Yeah, yeah. It had it's one of the more smooth, you know, classic Kentucky straight bourbons. Um, I think you get that really richness. It's one of the first top shelf alcohols that I fell in love with, where I was like especially when I was really getting into bourbon in my early 20s. And I was like, man, you can drink this straight right out the bottle. It is good in a shitty two-parter with Coke. It makes a decent old-fashioned. It makes a good Manhattan. I mean, it's a, it's a versatile bourbon, something I love working with, and the iconic, iconic fucking wax-dipped bottle. It is just, I love watching a brand-new baby bartender try to open it. It is, it's so much fun. It's just, <laughs> I don't get it. It doesn't, 
It, it won't unwind. Well, and from the bonus content with Hope, the, this is like the ideal bottle to wax somebody with. Oh, for sure. Because not only is it shaped well for that, but you have the grip, too. Yeah, so. it's got this nice, long, thin stem. It's got, yeah, the, the grip with the wax. And then the, the, just a blunt object of a square <laughs> bottle bottom. Um, so, yeah, it does It does have a lot of versatility as a weapon <laughs> and, and as a libation. But, um, uh, so, you know... I, if you're out there, this is not going to be a very um, uh, intricate cocktail uh, um, spec. If you're listening, if you got your maker's mark, Andrew, why don't you pour up uh, us a, a few of these? And when you pour them, are we doing straight to the 1.5 ounces, or is it just eye it up, or is it like give me a fatty, give me a double? It's all about give me a fatty. <laughs> yeah, there it is. All right, why don't you give us a couple fatties, Mike, and I'll raise these glasses in the air. And as you're doing that, I'm going to pull out my cocktail history. I know everybody out there listening along and drinking along, you should have your Maker's Marks assembled. (laughs) (laughs) How long has it been since the last time you poured one of those uh, for a patron? Seven years, I think. Wow. Wow, seven years. I, I feel blessed yeah, to have the I, first I, one I, in I seven years. I used to be years. a bartender, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> As we always say, don't just listen along. Drink along. Cheers. Or don't. Oh, yes. The caramel, the vanilla, the sweetness, that wonderful corn mash. So damn good. Um, all right. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the history of Maker's Mark. We've actually teased it. A time or two here on the show, but I want to hone in on three very specific things. The first ever fact I ever heard about Maker's Mark in my bartending career was that they almost went out of business in the 2000s because they were too good. (laughs) Um, Basically, the bourbon and whiskey revolution of the 90s bleeds into the early 2000s, and there's all these um, distilleries out of Kentucky, out of Tennessee that are, are booming, and whiskey sales, bourbon sales, rye sales are just going nuts you know, um, nationwide of homegrown distilleries from the states that are really booming. Maker's Mark has to be happens to be one of them. At the time, their uh, factory where they produced Maker's Mark only had two stills producing everything that they commercially sold into the market. And they are uh, one of these unique cases in business where their supply actually couldn't meet their demand. Uh, and they were potentially looking at folding. And the reason why is because you need to age the whiskey. They were not producing enough to, to meet uh, orders. And, you know, especially in the alcohol market, we have a lot of brand loyalty. This diverts, ah, fuck it. You know, I'm a maker, so I'm going to get something else. And then the next thing you know, you lose that brand loyalty to Blanton's or something else, right? And so one of the one of the big moments for makers comes in 2013 um, where – they actually decide that one of the ways that they're going to stretch the stock that they have is by lowering the alcohol content in the actual bottle, taking what they have and diluting it with a flavorless dilution substance. I think it's like a, a special distilled water that won't affect the flavor at all, but it would decrease the alcohol content enough so that they could actually increase their production by mm. about 20%. And so they go. They actually announced in 2013, we are going to reduce... Uh, the alcohol by volume content from 43% down to 40%. And it's going to be this big thing. And people freaked the fuck out. They were like, God damn it. 
this is what America's come to. Take my alcohol out of my whiskey. Basically, that's uh, that was a direct quote from from them, um, from the people. Uh, anyway, the Samuels family, who uh, owns Maker's Mark, or at least uh, the original family, they were quick to react to the backlash. They hurriedly, hurriedly brought the alcohol content back up. There's only a few uh, hundred thousand bottles um, that were ever produced at, at that alcohol content. And now, now right? they actually are a rare collector's yeah. item, but they needed to deal with the supply demand issue. And so in, I'm sorry guys, I'm burping like crazy because I'm still trying to get over the Malort from yesterday. Uh, yeah. And fucking Regina made me take a shot. It's of fucking terrible. I'm, you, you just gotta have to excuse me. So, in 2013, after that whole fucking alcohol reduction debacle, they decide that what they need to do is they got to raise capital. And so they go out, they put some equity on the market, and they end up raising $67 million to double the size of the distillery. And they increase uh, their production um, capacity by 50%. So that's not that long ago. We're talking about a decade ago, makers literally almost folding as a business and probably having to sell to another distillery. And because they got an influx of capital, they were able to survive that. Um, the last two things I want to tell you about Makers is, one, how they got their famous name, Makers Mark. So the original uh, owner of, of Makers Mark was a Scottish immigrant um, named, I'm sorry, I should know this. God damn it, something Samuels, Taylor Samuels or something. I don't remember. George Samuels, to, John Samuels. Anyway, it's Samuels. So Mr. Samuels had a wife. Her name was Margie. And she collected fine English pewter. And if you're familiar with pewter is, it's, you know, it's uh, China, it's glassware, it's plateware. It's, it's and, a metal, I thought. Pewter, right? Uh, do wrong? I have that wrong? Pewter? It's a metal. Yeah. Is it metal? Yeah. I think so. I think it's just crap. Yeah, like English craft stuff, right? It's yeah. either metal or... Yeah, it is pewter. Okay, you're right. It is metal. It's like... Uh, wow, great research. Metal too. alloy consisting of tin... And Tommy Copper. <laughs> Come on, get the fuck okay. off of that. Anyway. So anyway, it's China, so No, it's not China, but my no, my my point being is pewter, China, uh, glassware, a lot of the manufacturers at the time who would make these products would uh, uh, engrave them with a maker's mark. And it was usually like a logo, it was their initials to say this uh this crafted item came from this craftsman, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And so that became like an industry standard that you knew it was something of quality if it had a maker's mark on it. And so um, that's actually where the name comes from. Uh, they developed their own actual market. If you look on the bottle, it's the SIV with the star, the little circle that, that is on all maker's mark bottles. That is actually what they consider, consider to be their commercial mark. Um, but the actual name comes from just the collection of all these pewter uh, um, you know, kitchenware that that uh, Samuel's wife had, which I thought was pretty cool. The last thing before we get going on is generations down the line, as Maker's Mark is establishing themselves in the states, the great grandson of the original owner Taylor William Samuel's T.W. Um, he starts to take over the family distillery, and uh, I just particularly like this uh, little detail about uh, Taylor. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, he was serving as Nelson County Sheriff and the, at the family distillery and his farm officer. Oh, hold on. Do I have the wrong section? Jeez, this is the worst. This is the worst one. I'm so sorry. I'm really not on my game today. This is even worse when you did the whole bit yes. about uh, the Western movies when we did High Noon. Yeah. So anyway, T.W. Samuels <laughs> was serving as the local sheriff um, during um, 
you know, he takes over the distillery in 1844, but he ends up because he's, you know, he's a local businessman. He's serving as the local sheriff just because he's like somebody that can read and write in that particular territory, you know? And during the Civil War, the James Gang, you may have heard of them, like Jesse James. Mm -hmm. The James Gang comes uh, rooting through town. Rooting and tooting through town. And he actually brokered their surrender oh, really? um, uh, to the, the local authorities oh, wow, at cool. the time on the front porch of his general store where they sold Maker's Mark. Nice. So there's this awesome. like historic kind of whiskey and Old West uh -huh. kind of uh, uh, you know crossing. There. It, but it is, it is a delicious sipping whiskey. And Andrew is the person that taught me how to not drink like an asshole. Because when we when I, I yes when I moved to, did you forget I failed yeah I was okay no say. no I don't mean like I mean like the drinks that I'm drinking not how I act after I drink them no but Kansas used to ask for something sweet when he would go to the bar fuck you I never <laughs> did, did you that. really I was talking about Andrew dirty Shirley's <laughs> <laughs> you can keep talking I'm just really hot <laughs> no but uh, seriously you did because when when I when we moved to Maryland when I moved to Maryland. We were drinking like uh, Fireball and shit. We were in our early twenties. Yeah, and a lot when, of Pikesville when, rye out the bottle. When Andrew, well, Pikesville was good, but when when Andrew and I started working together and you know having some drinks together and spending some time together, that was truly the first time I ever like sat down and had a, a real boilermaker and had a good beer and had a good whiskey and and began to appreciate it, appreciate the drink and actually enjoy the flavor and the different notes and all that shit. You know, that's in the whiskey. So you're telling me that he cultured you into yes. like a finer grade of drinking his goldschlager days were done yeah. <laughs> yes i um i think he's really regressed yeah. and you know what frankly andrew i blame you for not being around okay yeah. you've let your child run amok okay <laughs> and now he's back to just chugging every liquid in sight Fuck but off. i'm better off for it oh yes and, and, and frankly um teach me because i'm trying to get away from him okay um all right Let's get a little bit into the LinkedIn now. This is your service industry LinkedIn. So I want you to first tell us, how did you first ever get into the restaurant business? I don't know that you could really call it the restaurant business, but I started working, serving food when I was 14 years old in retirement homes. Mm. That's the restaurant business, I think. <laughs> Worked my way up there and realized service. I wasn't making any money. So I went on and started as a busboy at a restaurant in the Baltimore area. Mm. Can you uh, share? Can you share what retirement home? What restaurant? Yeah, it was Edenwald Retirement Home, okay. and then Bluestone Restaurant. Oh, you start? Is, did you you started at Bluestone? I started at Bluestone. Holy yeah, shit. that was your first like legit oh restaurant gig, yep. and you're busting there. Yeah, I, I was managing at Edenwald, and I went and interviewed for a server position. I had a connection there, and I was told by the service manager. Great, you can be a busboy. <laughs> and it's like, well, shit, I'm, I'm going to make more money, so let's go ahead and do it. Yeah. So I started busing tables, worked my way through Bluestone, and uh, in that time, I was maybe hanging out in some bars and, and ended up hanging out at the right bar at the right time. And the night that Charles Village Pub burned down, I asked the owner of the bar I was at really? at the time if he needed some help, and he said, yeah, can you watch the door? And me and my uh, my frame, I'm not quite an imposing figure at the but you front have door. That, you have that that uh, that deep deep stare of like a seasoned sniper. Andrew, <laughs> yeah, no, you'd fuck somebody up. I mean, I you have that, that look in your eye, sure. like, hey, he's a little wiry, but so was Van Damme. And I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure if I wanna I wanna fuck fuck around and find out in this particular situation. So. You were literally you were at you were in Towson the night CVT, CVP burned down. Yes, one Holy of the other shit. one of the other busboys at Bluestone said, 
hey, CVP is burning down. So we both got the early cut and <laughs> took off into Towson, of course, because like why a not? a show to go yeah, to. Why, oh, they, uh, why wouldn't you? Fire Where are my tonight? shoes? <laughs> Where are my shoes? Fucking, I'm going to the CVP fire shoeless. <laughs> so I, I'm half in the bag and asking the owner if he needs help, thinking he's going to say, just clear some glasses or something. And he said, no, watch the door for five minutes, because they didn't have security at the time. Oh, you literally meant you need help right now, not like, can I get a job? Yeah, like, in this moment, what can I do to help? Okay. And he said, watch the door for five minutes. And an hour and a half later, I'm just looking around, and the owner comes back and says, do a shot with me. So we did a shot, and then he's like, so can you just handle the door tonight i said yeah i have no idea what i'm looking for with ids i had just turned 21 myself so i'm looking at these just ids remember like, your birthday is like yeah. <laughs> and i'm like oh yeah this one looks good <laughs> yeah go ahead and get in there so so we're cleaning up so so i'm sorry retirement home to buster to bouncer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Not okay. the most traditional. I just, I just want to keep the barflies with us. I want to make sure they're following along on their bingo cards. <laughs> so at the end of the night, he says, why don't you come on in later? You work at a restaurant, right? And I said, yeah. Didn't want to tell him what I did at the restaurant. But he said, why don't you come in Wednesday night? We'll talk about getting you a job. Meanwhile, I've been drinking all night. So I wake up the next morning and I'm like, did he actually talk about me getting a job here? So Wednesday rolls around, and I just go and I sit at the bar. The owner's nowhere in sight at the time he said to meet me, so I'm just sitting there drinking. And about an hour later, he shows up and he says, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) So I I explain the events of the previous night to him, and, and he says, all right, so have you bartended before? And I said, no. And he said, come on in on Saturday and we'll get you trained. I said, well, you know, what... What an interesting day to train. What, what am I going to be doing? And he said, just show up Saturday, 5 o'clock. I said, okay. And so I showed up on Saturday at 5 o'clock. I started bartending and then didn't stop bartending for a few years. Wow. Jesus uh, Christ. I, I love a, a few things about the story. Number one, that you were like, did he actually ask me for a job? Meanwhile, he completely forgot that he asked you for a job. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing Secondly, <laughs> you broke a cardinal rule of trying to get a uh, restaurant or bar job, show up to the place and start drinking. <laughs> well, no, and he also broke a rule of uh, getting a bartending gig, which is he told the, the truth. The truth, yeah. yeah <laughs> never, never a good idea. Never a good idea. But um, uh, that that's interesting. So... I got to hone in on this. What was the training like? Because it feels like up until this point in the story, there's not a lot of formality. I can't imagine somebody was like, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. No, I, I showed up Saturday night. Everybody was confused as to why I was there because the place the, didn't even, actually train people. Even it the was owner. Just, He's like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you <laughs> <yeah>. doing here? <laughs> so Saturday night, I, as I said, I was young and I was super awkward. I still am super awkward. But I showed up and it's like I sat down at the bar. Because I didn't know where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do. Where's the training room in this place? Where's the video at? Do I need to fill out paperwork tonight? I brought yeah. two forms of ID. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking through the kitchen, can't find the schedule anywhere. And, and the training was literally just work a Saturday night. They, they tipped me out. I didn't get the full portion of tips that night. But at that point, you know, it was more money than I was making bussing tables, which was more money than I was making managing at the retirement home. So I was happy, mm-hmm. and and I got put on, of course, the worst nights. I went from 
first night Saturday to then working Wednesday nights, where I think we probably had about six customers all night. Uh, and and at that point, decided I still still needed the restaurant job. So I was able to use my bartending position at the bar mm-hmm. to then get into a serving and bartending position mm-hmm. at Love the restaurant. Shit, yeah. And mm-hmm. they're like, are you going to keep working at both places? And I said, hell yeah. Well, yeah why would time. I stop? Mm-hmm. So, uh, now, can you, can you, obviously you talked about Bluestone, which is a, I'd say mid, mid to higher end seafood ca- joint. Like casual fine dining. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's casual all fine that's, dining. Yeah, that's always, always seafood joint, good cocktails. You know, they have that awesome seafood stew or whatever that you guys mm, yeah, used to the make Chris there. Field still. Oh my God, God, that stuff is unbelievable. But um, uh, the other place, we haven't named it yet. Are we going to name it? We don't have to. No, it's up to you. This can we just ours. describe it? Let's just describe it. Okay. So it's a. Do you want to describe? No, it? no, 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 no. I want whatever you feel comfortable. I just want to give people uh, because I have a feeling this particular establishment's going to come up a lot in well, this, this show. This is also the bar where Steve took the lady out for their first date. Well, or their second first date. Yeah. <laughs> after he ghosted her. Yeah. So, but I just mean it's it's like intertwined because I used to go there all the time. Um, so yeah, d- describe it a little bit. But we don't have to name it. So it's a it's a loosely European or Irish themed bar, potentially <laughs> restaurant, but that's a really loose association. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, big air quotes on restaurant. Also, I love how you use the term European. Yeah. And the reason I like that is because some of the decor is certainly not invoking that of an Irish pub. Yeah, no. They the owner leans hard into it being an Irish pub, but. Uh, it's a strange place, man. The, the plows on the walls. There's a, a the coffin weapons. on the ceiling. There are a lot of weapons. <laughs> in there. A there are a lot of weapons. The shillelagh behind the bar that I've always wanted to steal. Yep. I've wanted to steal that my entire life. The shillelagh. Somebody did steal it once. What? They got a hold of it one time. And almost got out with it? Actually, he just stood behind the bar wielding it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. I might have to ask you a few more questions about that. But All right. So we have context now. So you're splitting time between the two, and he kind of stole the question out of my mouth, which was, once you get into the business, where do you go from there? You know, you've you've moved up, you were you're bussing, you're bouncing, you're bartending, you've leveraged this into a serving and bartending position back at Bluestone. How does it progress from there? So actually, uh, from there, it went into management at Bluestone. Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, uh, terrible I, manager, by the way. I was the best manager. <laughs> Taught you everything you yeah. know, Michael. <laughs> Uh, so one of Wait, the actually depend, considering how much Mike knows, yeah. you probably should <laughs> yeah. no, I wish this would stop being tied to me. <laughs> uh, so I, I was the catering manager at Bluestone for a while, and uh, yeah, it was all in-house catering, and then from there it went back to retirement homes. So. Just wanted more stability and consistency in hours. Consistency. I was working at the bar. I was working, uh, I think, three or four nights a week at that point. So just needed a job with benefits and mm. stuff like that. I guess I was starting to grow up mm. at that point. Uh, yeah, once once we finally stopped hanging out, everything seemed to work out pretty good for you. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, so my life is... Better by multitudes now. Duly noted. Um, I'm going to put that one in the old file cabinet just for my own my own uh, success. 
Uh, wow, sorry. I'm just really I'm I'm daydreaming right now about a world where Mike's not in my life. I'm just oh, I'm come, come here to Baltimore. And they're just beating me the whole time. It's fucking bullshit. It's because of how you've acted, <laughs> and the I don't know how you've acted over the last forty eight hours has been egregious. <laughs> I this morning I go, where's the bottle of makers? He goes, it's in your truck. I was like, oh, you left it in the truck. He goes, no, I put it in the bed in the trash can that's in the it bed was, of your. It truck. was an open bottle of whiskey. Anybody driving around with an okay. open container. Anyway, you're welcome. Uh, uh, oh Andrew, God. continue. Look, sorry. See, this is see people. You see. What so I'm you're saying? back. So you're splitting time. You're bartending. You're back at the retirement homes because yeah. you want the consistency. And how does this kind of? Because I know you're not in the business anymore, but I kind of oh, want to no, give. He people, still is in the business, just not like bartending. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Close Close enough. enough. Yeah. Yeah, we could say that. You don't want to talk about your no, uh, yeah, current job. No, yeah, but it's really not like food or mm-hmm. anything like that. So. It's hospitality, though, correct? No. It's finance. What the fuck? Yeah, what you're... conversation did you and I have on the phone? Why do I know this? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, anyway. okay, well, that's embarrassing. So I know you're not really in the industry anymore, but tell us how that kind of comes to a crescendo as you're splitting time between those two spots. So my life ultimately came to a head. I'll, I'll skip to the end here. But my life ultimately came to a head and uh, realized that I needed to change everything about my life. So quit the bar, went to rehab, got sober. Uh, went back to retirement homes because apparently that's just something that I do. And, uh, it's your safe place. Yeah, he's saving his spot is what he's doing. <laughs> just been just been working uh, in in business like that for the past seven years now. Yeah, that's you, awesome, you moved to Florida for a little while, which was one of the reasons we couldn't get you on. Yeah, yeah. Because we, so, we were always going to do this recording in person. There was no way we we're going to yeah, do no this chance. virtually. So. No chance. So, yeah, to, to fill in the details... Uh, Actually met my wife at Bluestone, now wife at Bluestone. Uh, we got married, moved to Florida, had two kids, moved back to Maryland because Florida fucking sucks. And <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Well, Love that's it. wonderful, man. We're so happy to have you back and have you close and um, and have you on the show. Yeah. It has been a long time coming. I, uh, I know you're not in the business anymore, but I will tell you... Um, the Irish European pub that we are talking about. Can we come up with a fake name for it so we can refer to it? Let's call it like Duffy's or something that's, like that. That's good. You Duffy, know, it's yeah, a works. stupid that's name. A good one. There's yeah. a million fucking. Or Patty's. Fucking Patty's. Duffy's. Let's go with Duffy's. Right. So Duffy's was always one of my favorite places. You know, especially when Mike and I first met and we were working at the diner, it was a place we'd always go after shifts at the diner. Um, later, when I started working at Ocean Pride, it was an Ocean Pride family staple. I mean, we lived at Duffy's, and um, you know, yeah, Mike. Mike mentioned, you know, I uh, when I fucked up with the lady the first time, um, our first rekindling date was at Duffy's with the fireplace of burning right next to us. And, How romantic. Um, Yes, yeah. The smell of fucking old grease and chicken tenders. Just fabuloso. Yes, looming through the air, yeah. Um, No, look, it's just one of those places that if you love it, you really love it as a special place in your heart. It's probably the place that you first bought cocaine. It was probably the first place that you saw another man poop because the stalls are too short on the bottom and too short on the top. Too short on the top and too high on the bottom. That's the renovated bathroom, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. The previous one didn't have Thank doors. You, yeah. And um, there's always something special about that back door. You know, you uh, there's never anywhere to park in Towson. So you, it's great that you mm. can park in that parking lot, walk through the back door, grab a drink, and walk right out the front door and be like, my car's good. Yeah. I'm a patron here <laughs> for the night. There's so many cool, like, little, 
inside hacks with that place over the years. But, um, uh, I, you know, do you miss the business? I do. I, I miss the chaos of it. Yeah. I, I mean, that rush of when, when you have a full bar, four people, five people, six people deep, it, you don't get that in any other industry that I've know of or can think of. Mm-hmm. You were you in particular were always so mysterious to me behind the bar because again you have that very clear stare that you know like it's it's in, it's intense and a lot of times I would be like I have no idea what this fucking guy's thinking <laughs> at all and we would co- we were coming to Duffy's and we would sit there and you know you knew Mike and we were kind of all becoming friends just because like this is a friend of Mike's or whatever they're a friend of ours and you end up being our neighbor later on down the line mm-hmm. and. I hope we get into that story, that mm. that whole, what happened to your street when you were living there. Yeah. But, um, no, it was just, uh, I always I always was like, ooh, this guy's mysterious. Like, what, this this is, uh, you know, and then I found out you trained Mike. I was like, oh, that's why he makes a decent fucking dirty martini. Goddamn right. This guy, this guy, Andrew, right here. But, all right, thank you for sharing a little bit about how you got into the business. Um, I hate to tell you this, but it's time for us to turn the screws. We are officially to the gauntlet. Are you ready, my friend? I am ready. There's only one way through, and it is forward. So here we go. All right, Andrew, you have made it to the gauntlet. Good luck, my friend. Question number one. Pet peeves and misconceptions. Now, these can be your pet peeves about coworkers, customers, just the business in general. Uh, but it can also be misconceptions that um, you know patrons might have about the restaurant industry. I think I've got one that uh, it might be a misconception of somebody entering the restaurant industry, if I could take it a little uh, out of left field here. Okay. But the idea that you're able to have a normal life in the restaurant industry, as you really lean into the restaurant industry, right? Like, you don't realize it, but your life is about to change significantly. Oh! Those, those people who you used to hang out with, they're no more. Oh, oh, so let me get this straight, because one of the ones we have on the show a lot is when bartenders complain about how people go, is this all you do? You know, or complain like, I bet you're an alcoholic because you work in this business. Mm. What you're saying is the opposite. You're saying... The people that get into bartending and serving, and they don't think their life is going to change. Yes, exactly. I like this one. So that like annoys you, or you just like you're almost like uh, you're amused by their folly. Oh, I'm I'm definitely amused by their folly. Okay. Like the the excitement of somebody who's new to the restaurant business, and it's like you have no idea how your life is about to change. <laughs> Look around you at these people. You will hate them. <laughs> but they will be your people. This is your family now. Forget everybody you've met. It's like joining a cult. <laughs> it is so true, and it, and it's almost like um, it's almost like you're a traveler of time. You're coming from the future, and and you're like, uh, who's the guy? Who's the first Terminator? I can never remember. Arnold the, Schwarzenegger. No, the guy that he sent. The, <laughs> who's the guy that John Connor sends back to like warn his mother? You know what I mean? I can Reese or whatever his name is in that in, in that movie. Um, you are literally like this time traveler that's coming from the future to tell this person you don't know what you've gotten yourself into. <laughs> yeah. 
It actually is a fair warning because uh, we've had people that have listened to this that have reached out to us like, hey, I'm trying to get a bar job. Like, what should I know? Don't do it. Of, <laughs> that's, well, the, the, yeah, but that's the point. It is such an, uh, a different industry. than like That's why we made the joke earlier that like you're a real person now. You know what I mean? Because the service industry is, the I mean, whether it's the hours or whatever it's else. It's so formative it, to all these little cracks and crevices of your life. Yeah, you're, I mean, nobody operates other than nurses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, people who work emergency services, they, they operate on these hours. Mm-hmm. But who else are you going to call at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're done a shift and say, hey, do you want to go to the casino with <laughs> <Yeah>. me? <laughs> <laughs> I see your point. <laughs> I got to get more friends that are nurses. <laughs> At least they wear more comfortable shoes. <laughs> and they go to brunch. <laughs> you fucking bastards. I have to work brunch. <laughs> um, that's a really good one, dude. I got to I got to tell you. So, what, what can you tell can you like deliver? I'm going to ask you to pl- be a little bit of a piano bar for just a second, okay? I'm new. I just started at Duffy's. All right, you're the manager. You're training me up. On a Saturday all, night. I'm all jazzed and excited. I'm like, yeah, man, this is my first restaurant job. All my friends are going to come in and see me here. This is going to be our hangout. I'm super stoked. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> what fucking voice are you doing? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it always goes to the north. Sheboygan. Like, it always, go, always goes to the south. I don't know, man. I have a I'm thing sorry. with that. With keep that. Going, keep anyway. going. So how, what's your reaction when you, you, you meet with that kind of eagerness? I, I love it. I love the eagerness. But... Make sure your friends come and see you here because this is where your friends will see you. (laughs) When's your birthday? Because you're working that day. Okay. (laughs) When's your mom's funeral? You're also working that day. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's bad or good or anything, but it's it's such a consuming industry. It It, it takes up your evenings, it takes up your weekends, it takes up holidays, everything. Mm hmm. And really, you're going to find yourself with those people who you work with way more than you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, have a good time. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. <laughs> I think that's a really realistic and honest way of putting it. Um, I try to scare them. <laughs> you know, if I come across one of these baby bartenders, I'm like, guys, listen, I'm going to teach you how to do this because if you ever have to quit a job you hate, this is your safety net, okay? Yeah. I'm going to give you a skill that you can travel anywhere in the world and you can at least make enough money to feed yourself, mm-hmm. okay? Or get free food at the bar you work at. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me let me tell you, strive for more. <laughs> you know? um, or or get really obsessed and do something great in this business. True, but, true. Um, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, you do try to almost like give them a little bit of honesty with that. So that's a great one. We've never had that on the show. I like that that kind of juxtaposes the customer questioning why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is almost like you, you sure you're ready for this, bud? Yeah. <laughs> you sure? Um, okay, well, do you have any other pet peeves or misconceptions? Uh, the only other one I could think of was nobody except for Michael has gone to bartending school and then bartended. 
I didn't go to bartending school. You didn't school. go to bartending school? Yeah, I went to Andrew's bartending school at Bluestone. I could have sworn you had gone to bartending no, school. No, fuck you. No. Who do you, think, who do you think I am? See, okay, I feel better now about not knowing that you worked in finance. Yeah, yeah, you, bo- you both have fucked up. No, Mike definitely didn't go to bartending school. I couldn't school. afford bartending school. Um, there are a handful of people that have gone. For example, uh, Sid. Yeah. Sid, who I don't, you pro- I don't know if you even remember her, but um, we dated in college. She moved from New York down here after college. She started working at Rec Room, and she was at Rec Room, and... What became we probably, we probably went to the strip club with her, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, a short little blonde girl with a bob haircut. But um, she actually did take a bartending school class like in Manhattan yeah. before Manhattan she got into bartending. School, like yeah. a like a legitimate. Like one. a legit. Not like, a, not like learned a bartend online. Yeah. yeah. Not or and not like at like Harvard Community College. Yeah. Like they were just they were <laughs> they. This was a legit one, and we just recently had Rob does Rob, it all yeah. on the show. Shout out to Rob and the European Bartending School EBS. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some legitimate schools, but I will say they are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that just dates myself. As a number of my answers here will, it bartending school ten years ago was a completely different. It was a thing. joke. I mean, you just joke, yeah. Nobody was making cocktails like they are now. Yeah, no doubt. I think I think the big thing is this because I I was actually just at Pig and Rooster with the lady maybe two weeks ago. We we went and met Bailey for a drink before. Bailey was originally going to come on the show, and I know Bailey's a big friend of yours. He's coming on Monday to do the podcast with us. We had to cancel because we had so many technical difficulties. And he got too drunk. Well, yeah, he did black out before we even got through the intro of the but show. It was great. Whenever we, he realized, he's like, wait, Kansas? Is this Kansas? It was great. It was when, a nice When moment. I met him, he was on like his fourth Fernet Bronca, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Righteous. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so anyway, uh, we walk into Pig and Rooster, and, and you know, some Bailey and some of his friends are there, and we're chit-chatting, and I say out loud, I was like, uh, ba- Bailey goes, um, do I need to, should I have gone to bartending school to be on this podcast? And he says it's a joke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, no, but you know, you know, so plenty of people that come on have gone to bartending school. Plenty haven't. And one of the guys from behind the bar, Pig and Rooster, this bartender's got to be like fifty, giant, Rumpelstiltskin, white beard. He just chirps. He's like, God damn it! If you went to bartending school, you're the last person I want making a drink for me. <laughs> and it just clicked in my head. It just clicked in my head at that moment. There are two different types of bars. There's the type of bar that you can work there, and you can be a great bartender if you didn't go to bartending school. Mm-hmm. If you just fucking came up in the business like you did. Sorry, guys, about the bell. Um, and then they're the type of bars where it's some super swanky high-end bar and, like, fucking Ritz Monte Carlo on the French Riviera, and you're going to have to show your credentials and your tip certification, safe alcohol service, all, you know, and you do need some type of credentials. But you just got to ask yourself, what kind of bar do I want to Well, and also, even though, like, I'm not, you know, I think, I think it's funny, the trope of being a fun of bartending school. Like, a, you know, decent bartending school can teach you the basics. It can't teach you how to fucking deal with five people deep and dealing with an asshole customer yeah. and trying to manage. Was that a fucking plane or something? It is a plane. Shut the goddamn doors, dude. My God. But it can't teach you those things that uh, th- that are truly the test in the difficult parts. Anybody can learn how to make a drink. Yeah. Anybody can. Um, but actually being able to 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 deal with the the rush of the evening and and get you know manage the customers and the expectations and your you know fellow coworkers that's something that you just you yeah. you have to go through it to really learn how to do it. I think. Going going to bartending school is like getting a master's degree. You know the information, mm-hmm. but you have not ever been in the shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I'd rather hire a bar back that really wants to like fucking learn. I'll teach him the drinks. He already understands the, the, flow the dance of the bar, moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Duffy's didn't require bartending school. No, <laughs> no, I can't imagine that did. Holy shit, that's a big spider. That's a, well, because you're, you're from, just going yeah. off the rails this episode. You're, you're, you're from the flatlands. You fucked up the you're whole from the history and everything. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm really tired. I worked last night, and then when I got off, I couldn't find the person who I had to give a ride home. So I just <laughs> sit around in the parking lot like a fucking jackweed until he came fucking waltz. And he's walking down the street waving his hand. Question right? number two: cigarettes. best and oh. worst tips. So uh, these can obviously be monetary. We love hearing about a really great tip you got or you know, a shitty stiff situation. Uh, but this could also be like a gift or something that somebody's brought in or maybe even like a piece of advice that a customer's left with you. All right. So the first one that comes to mind was a party at Bluestone on the patio. Uh, it was a nine o'clock party. Half the staff had already been cut. It was a Friday or Saturday night. Nobody else wants it. For some reason, I usually love to take the early cut because... Why not? Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> I don't <laughs> and, need money. <laughs> ended, up, ended up taking this party with a partner. 35, 40 people. I don't remember exactly how many it was. And the party pretty much wasn't memorable for any reason. But it was a 9 o'clock party. They had walked in, no reservation, took the whole patio. It was great. And didn't really put my all into a party because by the time <laughs> nine o'clock rolls around i'm not giving my all to many people that walk into the the restaurant so drop the check and they said give us like 15 20 minutes we'll figure it out <laughs> we'll figure it out great I have no idea what to expect except i know what i'm expecting so <laughs> the party leaves what to expect when you're expecting <laughs> yeah <laughs> A shitty tip. <laughs> so the party leaves, and they said they were paying cash. I'm I'm expecting, fully expecting that they have not collected enough money because when everybody is putting money up, yeah. that usually happens that they come up short. Math is hard. Yeah, <laughs> and whether they short the check itself or whether they short the tip, you're getting shorted somehow. It one way or another, they're always shorting the tip. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I walk in, and on this one table is this pile of money. And it's not 20s, it's not 100s, but it's a mix of 5s, 10s. No. There were actually a decent number of When 20s. you say pile, do you mean like it's in a stack? No, it's I am just... talking a pile of money, like someone has just thrown it on like the table. Like you're on an 80s game show, and this is what you came out of the sticky like yeah, vortex exactly, with. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that's so nice. I just grab a seat at the table. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not standing here doing this. I'm going to get comfortable. I'm just going to enjoy myself as I try to face all these 1s, 5s, 10s, and 20s. Finally get through it, and they had left like a $1,000 tip. Holy shit. <laughs> In cash. And it's like, all right, well, they're gone. Uh, normally, if you get a tip like that, it was, it was like an $800, $900 check, and they left close to $2,000. Oh. You're like, you want to go ask someone, right? Are, you want to verify. Sure? Yeah. Not so much with cash as with a credit card, but any type of tip like that, you try to verify. Yes, absolutely. Long gone. These people are out of there. They're not in the, the parking party. lot. The whole party. Everybody. You're a slow counter. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I got my partner, and Stop. she's at the bar Sorry. drinking already. Okay. And I said, what do you think they left us? Because I can't just make things easy and tell her no, what they left no, us. of course not. And she said, I don't want to know. 
So I dropped the cash in front of her. And she's like, seriously? And it just, it, it blew me away. It uh, ruined all my misconceptions about nine o'clock reservations. But. <laughs> so I, I have some, I have some follow-up questions here. Uh, <laughs> no, the big one for me is like, when you have that much cash and a, and a check that high, I was joking. It does take a minute to count it. No matter, even if you got 20s, like 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Like you're sitting there counting out up to 800, 900 bucks for the bill. And you're double counting it to make sure you got And it you're right. putting them in order. And, and if it's the pile that you're talking about, they're all out of order. They're all over the place. So it takes a minute to count that. I'm with you. There are like these almost like benchmarks that are happening, almost like. Um, uh, oh, as you're counting the money? Yeah. Like, oh, wait. Okay, they're getting close. Wait, no, no. There's, still, there's still a lot so left the in the So the first is like you start <laughs> counting. You're like, God damn it. I hope they made it to 800. <laughs> and then you get to 800. And you're like, okay, they've paid the bill. Set that aside. All right? And then you start counting. You're like 10%. 20%. 30%? 30? No. <laughs> the rest of the stack has to be ones, right? <laughs> you just keep counting. I mean, how was that? That had to be fun. It felt it probably had to feel like one of those like um like, like you a hit scratch the, off ticket or something. Yeah, or you oh, hit, yeah. It was you, a blast. <laughs> you hit the whack-a-mole at the state fair and it just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. And and you're trying to guess how, how much it actually is. is. Like not whack-a-mole, you know what I'm talking about. The big what okay, go on, Andrew. Big, I'm sorry. Fuck you. God damn it. I'm really not on my A game. You know when you hit whack-a-mole and the bar goes all the way up, it's I'm a fun with, game right there. I've got no sleep. I've got hot malort still coursing through my veins, and I just I don't feel oh, I need more makers. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, yeah, at, at a certain point, it just becomes fun. Like you're you're guessing how much it's actually going to end up mm. being. But yeah, it it took forever, and and then I had to recount it. I had to figure out, split it for the the other server, tip mm. out everything. So mm. it took a while, but. Uh, that was definitely the most memorable large mm. tip that I had. Yeah, that's a well, Okay, so my question is: Do you think that that? How do you think that went down? Do you? Because th- obviously, I don't think they were like, "Let's leave this guy a great tip," because it was a pile of money. I think they they were drinking probably at this party, right? Oh yes. So I think they're like, "All right, everybody, it's eight hundred dollars." Everybody start throwing in. I think they just never counted to see even what they left. Not once have I ever considered what they thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got paid, so I, I, <laughs> they don't. They I, don't, I don't split tips of bluestone, ladies and gentlemen. I think so. that they had such a good time that they said, "We are all going to double what we owe and give this man the greatest <laughs> tip of his life." I can tell you, I did not provide thousand dollar tips. <laughs> it was a nine o'clock reservation. <laughs> yeah. He he had checked out the the food from the kitchen at a nine o'clock reservation is not a thousand dollar tip worthy. <laughs> there was nothing about it that was worthy of that tip, but. There was a big pile of so money. So. so there are worse counters than you. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, I have what to I assume. Think. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. I, I love the misconception, the surprise tip. Now, we've mm-hmm. had this a few times where you, you think you're going to get a great tip, you get a shitty tip, you think you're going to get a shitty tip, you get a great tip. Mm-hmm. But this one is uh, so wholly different just because. It's like a journey. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah you have just to go Just because it's cash, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a huge amount of cash. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and a big party in the time of the night. It's just, that's unbelievable. Um, do you have a worst tip story to, to kind of juxtapose that? I don't know. Don't I, mean, I mean, I have plenty of worst tip stories, mm-hmm. right? Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten plenty of zeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that there was probably the worst tip I could think of quickly here was a rather prominent chef from the area. And I thought I, I provided 
thousand reasonable tip service. service. Yeah, thousand dollar tip service. Yeah. I don't like, know that I've ever provided thousand dollar tip service. I don't know what that looks like. Don't sell yourself. But, <laughs> I mean, if you wore those shorts, you know. Come on, Mike. That's a shorts joke. That's a short shorts joke. Is that what that was? You don't. You didn't know what he was doing before you walked in here. Okay. I'm what? All, I'm hanging excited. his balls out on I'm your excited. chin. I'm all ribbed up. Anyway. Yeah, I on. bet you are. <laughs> you are. You do fantasize about him a lot. I'm already over this fucking podcast. Let's go. <laughs> what, the whole show or just this episode? Yes. <laughs> you knew this one was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because for two years, he's like, we got to get him on. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, that's not going to go well for you. Yeah, this is just, <laughs> just two hours of making fun of even, Mike. I don't even know Andrew that well, but I, I do know that if you put him and I in a room, that's two people that have absolutely zero regulator on being mean to you. <laughs> Question number three. No, come on. Worst he was going to tell us about the local chef. Oh, the local chef. My apologies. Oh, I, I mean, it, there really isn't much to this one. It's just a local chef. I provided pretty good service and got like less than 10% mm. on a tip. And it feels, so, it know, feels intentional from a service industry professional. Yeah, that's a little swarmy. Exactly. When you have somebody who you know is in the service mm-hmm. industry, like that's money in the bank as soon as they get seated, right? Mm-hmm. But whatever it was, it didn't same? work that day. Where do you work? Where does he live? What's I'm going to leave this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. Worst drink orders. So there's a few ways to look at this one. Um, when we initially came up with this, this was like the, the drinks people order that you kind of judge, pass a little bit of judgment on, like, oh, you fucking piece of shit, you know, fireball, really. Um, but then uh, th- this has expanded a little bit to also be uh, maybe the worst drinks, uh, the, the worst drink, like the drinks you hate to make, or the worst drinks that another bartender has ever made for you. Yeah, drinks that you, you know, you're out in the wild and you're just like, I'll have a this, and it doesn't come out as this, it comes out as that. <laughs> I, I'm, as I said, I'm going to date myself throughout this entire episode, but probably in like 2011, 2012, uh, there were. Everyone wanted a gummy bear shot. There were 72 oh. websites that popped up where anybody <laughs> could submit a drink recipe. Online. A lot of different recipes. And for some reason, every customer at a Duffy's thinks that you are an encyclopedia of mm-hmm. drinks. So someone would come up to the bar and order a gummy bear, a white gummy bear, a yellow gummy oh bear. Oh my God. To this day, I have never made one correctly and never tried to. <laughs> I just ask, what color do you want it? And find something oh, behind yes. the bar that will make it that color. Yes. And they're like, this is actually ask the customer that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want a gummy bear shot. What color? <laughs> it's kind of like Kool-Aid, right? What color Kool-Aid do you want? What color gummy bear shot do you want? I will make you a drink that color. Just don't order this ever again because it will not taste the same. <laughs> Did you guys know that all Fruit Loops are the same flavor? Yes, I do that. Did you know that? I didn't. It broke me the other day. And I'm not a Fruit Loops fan because they scratch the inside of my mouth. They're too coarse. I don't like them as a cereal. You I need should... more milk. <laughs> no, I listen, I love the milk, but I, I'll take pebbles. I'll take Fruity Pebbles over Fruit Loops any day of the week. I'll take the Berry Captain Crunch over that any day of the week. But to your point, if I had my way, I would eat Fruit Loops if I could just get the purple, even though they're all the same flavor because I like the purple. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was a great segue, Steve, or a great uh, little tangent there. I love hearing about your cereal preferences. Do you uh, know what? I love not hearing from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. I thought you were going to do a serial killer joke there. You really missed an opportunity, but anyway. God damn um, so, uh, Doesn't he look like Dahmer? <laughs> no, come on. Dude, hold <laughs> on. Give him your glasses. Give him your glasses for a second. Put them on. Hold on. I'm going to take a picture. 
You're telling me he doesn't. I haven't, I haven't done my hair yet, so. Yeah, well, you, you've done it. You're telling oh me. Oh, my God. Jeez, you're fucking blind. <laughs> you're telling me he doesn't look like oh. Dahmer? Get the okay, fuck out of here. That's going to make me sick. All right, sorry. Thank you for that. Okay, um, so can I, can I jump in? I, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't know where to put this story in with you and me, uh, but I think this is a good one because yeah, go one of the tropes of the show is Long Islands are like a trashy drink to order. Our rule for the show is you're not allowed to drink a Long Island iced tea unless you're 21 years old. That's not the... It was you weren't allowed to order it unless you're 21. Yeah. You said you weren't allowed to drink okay, it unless fine. you're yeah, If you want to make it at your house, I don't give a shit, but you can't order it unless you're 21 years old. I'm just saying, if I'm on my last leg and somebody goes, here's a free Long Island iced tea and the bartender's okay. not serving anymore, enough, I'm not going to lie. Okay. I hate an that drink, but I'm going to drink it. An important distinction. Do you remember that time I brought a date out to uh, what, what we call it, Duffy's? Man, why do people bring dates to Duffy's? You took a date there? <laughs> you took you a date sick there. You bastard. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, do you remember? Do you remember? And the only reason this would be memorable is because this girl ordered Long Island after Long Island after Long Island. What? Until the point that she was so fucking trash at the bar with me. This wasn't even our first date. So trash that she, the next one you served her, boom, knocked it over on the fucking uh, bar top. And I was like, all right, it's time to go. You know, go. Did home. she know she had to have sex with you later? No, that was <laughs> that was no. Fuck you, I wouldn't do that. That's, and plus, it's just gross. You know, like morality aside, ugh. having sex with this you. Is, yeah. <laughs> This is also the girl that shit on our kitchen floor. So. Oh, really? Yeah, this is the same girl. Oh, what a bad person! I still have her. I still have her backpack. <laughs> Did you really? You remember she had that really nice, like Hurley, colorful backpack that she left there the day that she shit on our kitchen floor. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't what I was focused on, but sure. I kept it. It was a really nice backpack. <laughs> I had no idea who you were talking about until that story. <laughs> <laughs> she always had that face, you know, where she yeah. looked like she was like. Uh, are you in like a ketamine drip right now? Like, what's going on? She was attractive. She was very attractive. That's, that's right. not what. That's not what I'm saying. I bag bad bitches. That's okay, what I'm my, listen. I'm going to give you a rare compliment. This this girl was very very attractive. Um, Physically, uh, she was attractive. But no, I will say this: her face always looked like she had just taken a set, like a like a tranquilizer dart to the neck and she was slowly <laughs> fading out of existence her eyes were always so glassy and i was like you are hot but i'm worried like are you, are you gonna fall asleep at the wheel <laughs> the, the funny thing the way that we started dating i was actually trying to hook up with her friend and she didn't want me so i was like i guess it's all right and then she pooped on my floor so. <laughs> do you want to tell i just wanted to bring that up though because i still think about that like especially with the long island shit just Long Island after Long Island and just all over the bar, just knocked that shit over and had to, had to take her home. And I paid for the whole fucking check. How do you feel about Long Island while we're on the subject? You know, I really don't have uh, strong feelings. As, as somebody, if somebody comes into the bar and orders a Long Island, like, I instantly know how the experience is going to go. She's <laughs> uh, going to poop on your floor. <laughs> That's best case. Maybe, and, and maybe that's after the second Long Island. Yeah. Like when you come up and order a second Long Island, like you're like, oh, what are we doing here, ma'am? Can I provide you with some resources? Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that that's probably how the fire started at CVP. Somebody orders their fifth Long Island. They're playing with matches in the bathroom. Next thing we know, bada bing, bada boom. Andrew's got a bartending gig. You know? <laughs> so, Michael's going to have to cut this, but I know you've covered it earlier in a previous episode. But we all know how that fire started. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. No, I mean. I'm not cutting that. Yeah. 
Uh, I need the same guy to come out and burn my camper down. Honestly, <laughs> so just please give me. In well, touch. you're gonna have to start off. You're gonna have to start a restaurant there first, even if it's like a roadside empanada stand. No, no, like, got, believe it or not, I have insurance on my camper. No, but I know the, you're not here. You're not hearing me. The reason restaurants can get away with this all the time, I dinner all the not time not alleging anything, people. I'm just saying, throughout America, there are a lot of questionable restaurant fires and then they come back as a big beautiful restaurant they're successful all of a sudden it's because they have a commercial kitchen michael they and they ha- they have fire going all okay, the time well, the and the grease now, so. in the hood system yeah yeah i got it how greasy is your camper well actually now it makes sense you know i and, can't believe you got that thing insured <laughs> and I know will your insurance pay out on an indian reservation <laughs> Okay, thought, that's offensive. I don't like. We can't really get into also. This. I'm really, I'm really confused because <laughs> I, I didn't know tornado insurance covered fires. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was very strange. You, you never it's seen a fire just, tornado? A fire tornado? You never seen one of them? It's just insured against the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> if his camper lands on her, yeah. Or if if she lands on his camper, yeah. All right, let's in your little camper too. All right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> Question number four: Ultimate mistakes and fuck ups. Man, now, we've expanded this category. We forgot to mention it. Oh yes, on Regina's but let me episode. let me first say these can be yours or your coworkers or a bartender you've seen in the wild. But we've expanded this. Actually, you should listen to this guy's episode. Kempo. Incredible! Like all of our guests that we've had have been incredible. Shout out, Campo! Just knows how to tell a story. A great storyteller. Uh, but he expanded this. We always focus on mistakes, fuck ups. We love hearing about people crashing and burning and fucking up at the bar. Uh, but we also have expanded this to uh, victories and triumphs. Triumphs. So your highlight tape. Yeah, exactly. Tell us about yeah. the times where you were a bartending fucking wizard. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So I've got a mistake that definitely sticks out in my mind. Okay. I had, I was working at Bluestone. I had just accepted the management position, but it hadn't been announced yet. I got put on a Sunday morning. No, it was a Saturday morning wedding. And it happened to be two residents from Edenwald oh, who God. had gotten married. And you knew them? And I knew them. That's awesome. So I got put on the party, and they were doing a champagne toast. There were maybe 20 people, uh, and they wanted to do the champagne toast. My partner wanted no part of carrying the champagne flutes over. So she wanted to pre-pour them, and then I would carry them over. I said, I can do a lot of things really well. A tray of 20 champagne flutes, I do not do well. It has never ended well for me. And she says, well, I'm not doing it, and walks off. So these drinks have to get delivered. So I take them over to the table, and I make it just shy of the bride and groom with their young grandchildren sitting right next to them. And I stop, and I take the first flute off, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And then the entire tray tips over, <laughs> all over the bride and groom, no. their grandchildren. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because there's a lead that's been buried here. You said these were two people from Edenwald. So the, these the are, retirement these are elderly. Yes. These are some elderly people <laughs> yeah. getting married. This is so you dumped this on a a couple that are probably on their fifth marriage and they are just trying to have a nice day with their grandchildren and their families 11 o'clock in the morning (laughs) champagne toast how did they handle it i mean break it down so i was obviously mortified right i i want nothing to do with this party i apologize profusely and they're fine with it 
they're completely okay. So much so that members of the wedding party went over to the current catering manager to vouch for me. They were confident that I was going to get fired. Oh, wow. And as I said, I had just agreed to take the catering manager position. So You haven't told anybody yet. Nobody knows. The catering manager (laughs) says, fire him. He's taking my job. (laughs) (laughs) And they laugh. And then he says, no, no, seriously. He he just took my job last week, so he's taking over next week. You don't have to worry about him serving anymore. In the words of Liam Neeson, that's too far. You're going too far. My God. Oh, my God. How, how did that party tip you out? I don't remember. Probably pretty good, though. Yeah. They, I the think sympathy was, tip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think there was extra on the autograph. Oh, I wish I could have seen The that. one thing I got to say is uh, that you did have going for you in that particular scenario is, one, if it's a wedding... I know me at weddings. I've never been married, but I've been to plenty of weddings where, you know, you spill something on yourself, you shove cake in somebody's face, you spray a little champagne around. People are, you know, it's a wedding, right? You know, you almost roll with the punch. People are in a mood to roll with the punches in a way that they don't usually if they're just out to dinner. So maybe they were just like, hey, nothing's going to stop the vibe today. Yeah, I I would much rather spill 20 champagne flutes on a grandchild at a wedding than a funeral. Fuck, Andrew. Jesus Christ. Why would there be champagne it's, at a it's funeral? The, it's the grandchild's funeral. Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. Jesus. God, man. That doesn't go there. Why Oops. would there be champagne at a funeral? Because he was an asshole. <laughs> We're toasting. We're glad he's dead. All right, let's pour one out for six-year-old Eric. <laughs> he was hit by a plane that crashed. In. Uh, he hey, was... too close, man. Never forget. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this episode is coming out months after this the anniversary. Sep- it's September. It's early September, folks. <laughs> Why? Did, you didn't need to do that. Yeah, they need to understand. It's the... This coming from the... Hey, Andrew, do you remember when you used to know Mike in your former life? What was his opinions about 9-11 back then? Question <laughs> number five. Health Hold on. Code time violations. out. Time out. Have those changed? What? No. What are you talking about? Oh, okay. I'm not, right, I don't right, know anything. I don't... We're trying to, like, build a podcast here, Okay. Trust me, we're already close enough to getting canceled. Yeah, there's a market there. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to get this podcast sponsored by Newsmax. Fucking <laughs> pieces of shit. Question number five, health code violations. Now, these can be yours or, of course, you know, just things you've seen behind the bar scene. But very importantly on this uh, question, we always say protect the innocent. And the guilty. Like George es- Bush. Especially the guilty. <laughs> Your God. Oh my God. All right. This is going to be the most inside episode we've ever done. What do you mean, like an inside job? Or <laughs> You got to quit setting me up, dude. Fucking asshole. If people out there are listening and you're saying, wow, you know, we really thought the Andrew episode was going to be oh, funny. Quit saying his name. That's more oh, editing for me. Bad. We really thought that the Andrew episode was going to be funny. <laughs> Well then, let me tell you, folks. What you didn't, what you didn't uh, do the math on that was that we're just doing this episode for us. <laughs> so if there's People a lot, were like, of insight- I really like that that podcast, and you know, until that episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Fuck you, I don't care. Well, if we're gonna go out, we might as well go. <laughs> so let's go out and blaze the glory. All right. So health code violations. Tell us what you've seen. All right. So I I struggled with this one. Uh, really? I, honestly, Delphi's is a place. Yeah. <laughs> I really have nothing that stands out from Duffy's. Really? My, 
Duffy's Duffy's is a clean place. I've never been in the kitchen. The, I just always assumed. So the kitchen, the kitchen obviously has poor lighting and purple walls for some reason. A little weird there. Purple but walls. Purple like walls. Deep purple walls. Deep purple. See, I like a like light smoke gray. on the water. Purple. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. I like like a light gray purple. Purple is a calming, creative color, you know. But deep purple is a little weird for a kitchen. Yeah, and and everything's old, but it's actually kept. I, I mean. It is it's, clean. It's pretty it's, clean. It's yeah. clean. I'm not saying yeah. it wasn't. I just always, when I looked in the those little cracks into the kitchen, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> yeah, because everything is like from the 70s. Yeah, mm. it's a little. All right, sorry. I'm sorry. So health so, code violations. The one one health code violation that I could think of was well, I can think of a lot, but the <laughs> the one the most egregious was a slow Sunday night at one place where I worked, and one of the cooks goes to the locker room, doesn't say anything to anyone. But he pulls out clearly a big bottle of Captain Morgan and starts to chug from it. No big deal, right? You you've seen worse. It's in a, a cold drinking shot. <laughs> so I'm glad it's just alcohol this time. <laughs> he he walks over back to the line and picks up his chef knife, slams his elbow onto the table, and proceeds to cut a wart off of his oh, arm. Oh Jesus Christ, Andrew! On the on the on the cutting board line. On the cutting board. Oh my god, I just need a minute. If you're did he wondering, pour some Captain Morgan on it after he cut it off? He did not. Okay. If you're wondering what Malort tastes like as a flavor, <laughs> it's a chef's bloody fucking freshly cut off wart sitting on a kitchen line in the back of a restaurant with 70s restaurant equipment, okay? That's what it ta- that's what it fucking tastes like. God. I, I understand why we we couldn't name the bar now. We should call it Hold Malort. On. That wasn't at Duffy's, though. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Yep. Jesus Christ. It was at the retirement home. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just, you just, that's why you look down a lot of the times. You just, there's things in the world you just don't want to see. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, when we started this show, I thought to myself, are people going to want to peek behind the curtain? Maybe not. Ignorance is bliss, you know, and for, for a lot of people, we're going to ruin their feel-good. We're going to ruin their favorite local dive. And then I thought to myself, fuck it. You know, I, I'd, rather, uh, I'd rather live my life with eyes wide open. You, you know? Would. So the good news with that one is it doesn't happen on like a Friday or Saturday night. It's like Anthony Bourdain saying, don't go out to eat on Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it all kind of runs together. <laughs> so I've got to know what... What happened to the wart after he cut it off? I would imagine. I, I wasn't over there examining mm-hmm. what happened to him or the wart. I know that he was escorted out of the building at oh, that really? point. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, so it actually... Yeah. Yeah, he, he was gone. He was never seen. Immediately? Yes. Who, oh, yeah. Was it another uh, chef or line cook or management or... It was a chef who walked him Did out. Did he get yeah. to take yeah. his knife with him or... <laughs> this wasn't that type of party, Steve. This wasn't a bring your own knife party. This yeah. was a so, yeah, leave so your knife rolls at home. Knives were provided by the establishment, oh, yes. so that knife got washed and put back in circulation. I'll tell you what, I am not I am not skewed out by shit like that. Like I can I can use like for example, um I cleaned our bathroom before Mike and Regina showed up and as I was doing it, you know, scrubbing the tub and scrubbing the walls in the bathroom and I used like a a little plastic cup to like fill up water and wash the soap off the walls. Just, you know what I'm saying? Cleaning your shower yeah. fucking sucks, right? So it's just, 
you know, I'm using it to wash it off. And then, yeah, that thing had like bleach and gunk in it. And I just threw it in the dishwasher and it's probably back in rotation. I've given it to Michael a few times, you know, um, and, and that doesn't skeeve me out. But I will always know when I look at it, that's the one. That's the one, you know? Yeah. Like, if I was a cook oh, at that yeah. restaurant, like, I I feel like there's one night where I'm cutting, like, fucking onions. I'm like, I look at the knife, and I, I go back, and I just go back to cutting onions. I'm like, maybe. Now, maybe. That's that's the beauty of knife services, right? Like, Cazzini Brothers oh, comes yes. in. And you know that this knife, you've had it. This has been your week or two weeks with the knife, yes. and you will never see this knife again because it's going to end up at some restaurant across town where some poor dummy has no idea what it's been used for. I am for. so happy God. you brought this up. Please explain to the people knife services because I don't think any. We've never talked about it on the show. I don't think anybody that is not truly deep in the business, especially back in the house, knows any idea what you're fucking talking about right now. All right, so the knife service is the knife guy. The knife guy shows up before anybody else, usually like 8 o'clock in the morning at a restaurant and he takes the knife takes all the knives in the kitchen and he swaps them out and it's afilador afilador it's cuban for knife sharpener fuck you mike's looking at me like i'm an idiot it's the you're a fucking idiot (laughs) read a book get some culture you piece of shit so it's mainly run by a couple major companies and then there are local guys but they, they just swap knives out. They sharpen knives, they swap them, and they're contracted in basically every restaurant, retirement home, uh, facility in the area uses one of maybe five yep. knife sharpening yep. services. So they're just constantly rotating knives out and supposedly providing you with sharp knives on whatever regular basis. We used to Sharp have enough to cut off a ward at least. So, I mean, that's yeah. good. <laughs> once a week is what we'd usually do. They would come every Friday morning. They would take the knives, you know, and then we'd go into the weekend with fresh, fresh cutlery. Um, and that's how you know, as you're working in back of the house, if a restaurant is not doing well when they start stretching it out. Well, let's do two weeks. Let's do three yeah. weeks between knife sharpening. That's also when your workers' comp uh, visit, uh, oh, your, your, yes. your uh, workplace injuries start to sh- just start to skyrocket from all the dull knives. But um, also, nobody's cutting warts though <laughs> you know, without a sharp knife. Now, I'd so sorry. I do on. like the, I do love your vision of like, hey, you know, they fire that guy, and a couple days later, here comes Mr. Afilador, and he comes in, he picks up the knives for the week, and he drops off the new ones, and takes that knife back to his little workshop, and he sharpens it, and then it ends up at, like, a Ruby Tuesdays. And nobody <laughs> knows that that's the knife that cut off, like, Kevin's wart on a fucking kitchen line. Sticking in the, the niche knowledge, right? You've got the bar rags. They're oh, gone. yeah. They're gone. You'll never see those bar rags again. Nope. Everything is gone. I've wiped my ass with one of those ones. Oh, come on. I worked at a bar once that completely ran out of toilet paper, and I had to poop. And I took an entire, like, you know, the plastic wrap bags with, like, 40 of the of, of the terry towels in it. I took that in the bathroom because I didn't know how many I was going to need. <laughs> and I just, I'm, cut, I'm cutting through them, man. I'm just one after another. Just, you know? What'd you do with them? You put it. You took the trash bag out and put them in the trash can, and then put the trash bag back in there. I would love to joke and say that I put them in the dirty terry towel rag basket <laughs> and was like, "You fucking wash these, bitch!" But no, I, I actually, I walked them straight to the dumpster. Do you know how much those things cost? <laughs> <laughs> 
less than a quarter of a penny. Yeah. They're made in Bolivia. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, all right. What an unbelievable jaunt through the first half of the gauntlet. We're going to take a quick halftime break, Barflies, and we'll be right back with more exceptional content. Now, before I leave, I swear to fucking God, if any of you fast forward through halftime, through the mid-roll, your goddamn executive producers that have given you this wonderful show, you better listen to them, their names, and their drink of choice, or I will find you and I will gut you like a fish. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I blacked out for a second. What happened? All right, halftime. Welcome to Halftime, Barflies, and all you other wonderful listeners. It's time to shout out our Bozells, a.k.a. our executive producers. Now, these people have spent their hard-earned money to become Patreon subscribers, and they are supporting the show. They are making this show happen. On every episode, we're going to shout out their name and their drink of choice at halftime. Please, I implore you, listen to these names, because these people are the ones giving you free content. And please consider becoming an executive producer yourself, signing up for the Patreon. We got a lot of awesome creative content on there. Now, shout out to those Bozells. Mike Sr. with the 7 and 7 with a maraschino cherry. A very classy drink for a very classy man. Chandler with the brass monkey. You funky, funky monkey. Leah Grace, love you, girl. You went with a classic old-fashioned, and you know what? I think that speaks to your personality um, as classic as ever. Brandon from the Bartenders with a daiquiri and a car bomb, an odd combination but who doesn't say that citrus and Irish cream goes together? Fuck them. It's a delicious drink. Uh, Leo Lalarge, our man from Paris, uh, the Madeleine shot, which is a shaken shot of amaretto, contro, and pineapple juice. Javier, Dak till death, baby. Javier Ramirez from Las Vegas, such an unbelievable guest on our show and such a great supporter. Um, Dak till death, baby. Daiquiris. Regina Grace, love you, girl. Love St. Pete's. Uh, draft natty light and a hot balord in a champagne flute. Ugh, still haunts my dreams. Justin Tress with a can of natty and a shot of rumple. Really appreciate you, brother. Love you. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for the support. And finally, our newest executive producer. Welcome to the Bozell Inner Circle. Colin McFarlane, gin and tonic with a smoked glass. That's all, guys. Back to the show. Hot damn, what a halftime it was. Let me just say thank you to all of our wonderful executive producers that you just heard shouted out their names, their drinks of choice. You know, I got a special place in my heart, uh, you know, at this very moment for Regina Grace, who's here with us in Baltimore. I mean, she, she finally left, thank God. Thank God. She just left. <laughs> no, she walked out of the apartment. Steve, Steve was like, can we start recording? He was like, no. Uh, Regina's got to leave. I was like, can she lock herself? He's like, no, I just, I want to lock her out. <laughs> <laughs> can't no, wait to um, lock her out. So she's headed to the Tampa Bay Rays Orioles game with some of her friends we're gonna go meet her after we finish this wonderful episode but let's get back into the show andrew you had a very easy easy time with the front half of the gauntlet i mean easy work and you seem like a guy that even when things do phase you you don't show the world that they do and i i respect that quality about you but now i have a tough question for you Ranch or blue cheese, Andrew? Blue cheese. It's never ranch. Okay, course. let's move on. Question number six. <laughs> uh, guys, you see uh, anybody listening? Let's think about coming on the show. That's how you answer that question. <laughs> All right. Question number six. Oh, oh shit. God. Jesus Christ. 
There we go. Question number six, <laughs> ratchet and crazy customers. We want to hear about when people are behaving badly, shit is popping off. However, we've expanded this category as well. Oh, yeah. This can also be memorable customers. So, it doesn't. again, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Steve and I are cynics, obviously. But uh, this can also be a guest or a customer that, well, same thing, but somebody that came in that really left an impact on you that you just kind of want to highlight in this section. All right. So, the first one, the easiest one. And I'm going to use a first name here because nobody knows him. There's no chance anybody who listens to this podcast knows it's this like, guy. Yeah, it's like 50 people, so it's worth so, it. <laughs> this guy's name was Ray. Ray. And Ray was a fixture in Towson for years, and I kind of caught the tail end of Ray. But Ray was this big guy who was super cut up, roided out, absolutely insane. And one night, Ray comes into Duffy's. And... <laughs> Ray sits down, and somebody, for some reason, one of our regulars, actually, had ordered a dirty martini at Duffy's. At Duffy's? Yeah, I was there, yeah. A, regu- a regular ordered this? Yes. Why? I, I have not a clue. I questioned it. I said, are you sure? I don't even know if we have martini, martini glasses. Martini glasses, yeah. And he says, you don't. Let me just say <laughs> Well, actually, it happened to be a special day, because we had two. Really? They were tucked in a back shelf. I'm sorry. I don't mean to underestimate you guys. I, if you pulled them out, I almost wanted you to not have them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these were not like, you know, at Bluestone, we had 10-ounce martini mm-hmm. glasses. Everywhere you go, you've got the standard 10-ounce martini mm-hmm. glasses. These couldn't have been more than four. Mm. So they're these tiny glasses, and they, they feel like they're going to break if you look at them. <laughs> so whatever. This guy orders a martini for some reason. And this it's just fucking out, Because he's classy. No, no, no. He's this a was a regular. Guy. Not uh, right yet. Not right, right, right. Okay. He's a classy guy. Yeah, I get it. And in the most serendipitous moment I've ever been a part of, Ray walks in. And he looks around the bar. And I don't know why I'm looking around like that because it's a <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> we're going to Theater of the mind. We're going to do video at some point in time. Don't worry. So Ray looks around the bar and chooses this regular. He's going to sit right next to him. And he leans up close, and he's like shoulder to shoulder with this regular. And I asked him, hey, Ray, what do you want to drink? Asked him about his regular order, and he said, no. That looks really good. He looks at the martini glass. And I said, there's no way you want a martini. This guy never drank liquor. It was all beer, like bottled beer. And he said, no, that looks really good. (laughs) And he says, he asked the customer, what is it? And he said, it's a dirty martini. And Ray said, yeah, that looks really good. Here, do you mind if I have a taste? And he reaches over and grabs this guy's glass and holds it up. And the customer, the regular, is like, what the hell do I do in this situation? And he's a big guy. Yeah, Ray's a huge guy. And I'm wondering, what the hell do I do in this situation? (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those moments where it's like about to rain and you can feel the heat in the air. (laughs) And, And Ray was on the list of customers that we had that it's like, you know, we're in trouble if there's trouble with Ray. Mm. Right. There, he's there, just there that probably type of guy. isn't going to be trouble with Ray. Right? Yeah. Like, Ray's nice to us. He's always good to us. But if there ever is trouble with Ray, then we're in trouble. That's a special list. I, I know <laughs> yeah. that list, too. I've got a few names. All right, shut the fuck up, Steve. I want to hear this. So, Ray picks up this guy's drink, draws it close to his mouth, and takes a bite out of the glass <gasps> and starts chewing through the glass. What are you and, talking about? <laughs> he starts eating the glass. He doesn't care about the vodka inside. He doesn't care about the martini. He just starts eating the glass. And all of a sudden, blood is dripping out of Ray's mouth. 
<laughs> what are you talking about right now? <laughs> and he goes what the right fuck are you talking about <laughs> right this now? Up. This is all bullshit. <laughs> I can call the customer. <laughs> and he takes he another ate it like bite. It was a waffle cone. <laughs> yes. Like it's a martini at Willy Wonka's fucking yeah. bar. Yeah, yeah. And, and he took bite. another. Well, bite. I do have that vision of Willy Wonka where he's he, he singing the song the with yeah, a little buttercup teacup. Yeah. He takes yeah. a bite out yeah. of it. And he just, I, at that point, I grabbed the glass from him. There's mouth, there's blood pouring out of his mouth. At there's this a point. fucking jaw like, shark bite <laughs> in the fucking martini glass. He is not, he's not the, uh, the glass eater that you see at the circus that, or the fair. I, that, or whatever. I genuinely wanted to ask that because some, some people know how to do that, or maybe it's fake glass or something, but they can chew that. It's shit sugar. With, it's sugar glass. Sometimes, but some people know how to bite the glass and not and not cut themselves. No, it's sugar glass. It's an old magician's whatever. trick. Right, it's sorry, sugar. Sorry, glass. Andrew. Go on. He's not that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's avoided out meathead, right? Well, whatever it is. He's not doing card tricks on the weekends. Right? So I grabbed the glass from him, and I just looked him dead in the eye, and it's like, you know you have to leave, right? And he's like, why? Is he chewing away? <laughs> he's still he's chewing so away. Chewing. I said, Ray, get the hell out. Leave. And he's like, but what did I do? I just wanted to try his glass. I said, right, just go, man. At this point, I'm like exasperated. I, I have no idea what to do with this situation because, as I said, Ray's on the list of we don't know what to do uh-huh. with Ray's trouble. So get the he, pitch, get the shillelagh off the walls, which you got to do. Yeah. yeah. I said, Ray, just go up the street. All right, there are seven other bars on the street. Go. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so I tell the owner because the owner sees me cleaning up glass and he's like, and what's blood. the problem? <laughs> and I said, Ray ate a martini glass. <laughs> and he looks at me and he says, That guy did it again? <laughs> and it's like, How are you not shocked by this? Like, how many times has does he guy think done it? it's candy? Does he think it's like a novelty is, is treat? Is this a bit that he does? What I, is I guess in his mind it is. Oh my God. This dude was off the wall, but that Bleeding was. Like, from his mouth. I couldn't have even been bartending for a year at that point. Like, oh my God. Absolutely shocking. Oh and God. the next time Ray comes in, he acts like nothing's happened between us. And it's like, dude, I can't even look you in the eye right now. <laughs> I cleaned your blood up off the bar. <laughs> my God, dude. Fuck you, Andrew. Get the fuck out of here. Well, yeah, of course. Apparently, Ray's been doing. Nobody, if there was actually formal training at Duffy's, they would have told you. All right, every six months, Ray Ray comes in. He's going to eat a martini glass. All right, just send him on his way. What in the fucking best part was Ray came in a few months later, and I got a regular. I was like, Hey, do you want a martini? Oh, you son of a bitch! I said, Ray, you're going to have to leave after you do this. But what do you think, man? And he said. Yeah, I could do it. It was. It, it was a bit for Ray the whole fucking time. Really? Good for him. Good for so, Ray, so dude. He, so he did it then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just chewed and the glass. And that was our last start... martini glass, and... too. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> did say you had two left. I never had no to make... No wonder every time yeah, I they, go there, they don't have martini glasses because he eats them all. Ray eats them all. <laughs> oh, what a dude. fat bitch. <laughs> 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 oh, 
man. All right. Question, Mike, you want to team up for question? Wait, wait, no. Actually, can I can I jump in Go here ahead. really quick? So just really quick, because this, this is just, for me, this is like a little bit sentimental and nostalgic of, you know, our friendship. You're obnoxious. Um, he masturbates to the thought of you like three to times. To the thought, yeah. Well, I mean, we've hooked up a couple of times, so, you know, it's special to me. But uh, do you remember when I brought my younger brother Morgan in? Shout out, Morgan. I love you. Uh, when I brought Morgan in, he was uh, 18 at Duffy's. He was 18 or 19 years old. That's yeah. shocking. That's probably the first time anybody has yeah. drank underage at Duffy's. So. That, he must have got past the security, huh? <laughs> so I could... I could <laughs> Nobody was working the door. We came in the back. Uh, we can shake this out if you want, but we came into the bar, and we were sitting there, and like the bartender wasn't Andrew. Uh, but... Uh, the bartender knew that he wasn't 21, but so we're sitting there, we're having a drink. I can't remember. Morgan is also very loud, like I am, just like. Yeah, what gave it away? Your brother screaming, I'm not 21. I that's, can't okay, believe this. Okay, thanks for ruining me. the fucking story, Steve. But that's, I can't remember exactly how the conversation went. I think we were talking about dating. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. No, is that, is that what he actually did? That was yes. me yes. just guessing. Yeah. You know, we were sitting I'm so we're, sorry. I'm just guessing. So well. we, we were I'm si- just guessing because Morgan is so annoyingly <laughs> explicit like that. <laughs> we're sitting at the bar, and I think we were talking about dating or something and he was talking You're about fucking with me. he was no he was talking about dating this girl and he was like yeah she's 18 and and uh, the, the bartender, whoever it was, uh, was just so it was something like, "What? what well, you're dating this 18 year old?" He's like, "Well, I, yeah, I'm just 18. It's fine." So it was, I can't remember the whole story, but it, like, his brain broke. Just for a the, you're like, the, you have a the, beer the, in your hand. The idiot. bartender was just like, looked at me like, "Who the fuck did you bring into into this bar, man?" Yeah. Um, so that, that was just that. As maybe as maybe the bartender thought that somebody he associated with and potentially considered a friend would have had the consideration to no. not. Not bring an 18-year-old no. to the bar. No, no, no. Because Especially one who can't hold his tongue. Here, here's what you need to understand about people named Mike. And I and I say that very explicitly because it's not just him. It's that motherfucker on the other side of the pillow in the painting on the wall. They don't care about anybody but themselves. That is they such are the most, They're the most selfish, fuck, inconsiderate fuck motherfuckers you, Steve, that have ever lived. Show me this. a Mike that cares about someone else, <sighs> and I will fucking... Listen, I will follow you into the dark. I will tell you right now. You're an there. asshole. Yeah. Piece of shit. Hey, pour me some more whiskey. Put my dick in your mouth. Okay. All right. Um, question number seven. Why don't you tee Andrew up? Question number seven, fights, arrests, and fires. And I know you have some good ones, but as Steve loves to say, this is when shit's popping off. This is where we see what the the bar staff is made of. So what do you got for us? All right. So there was a Duffy's. It's a Duffy story, of Mm -hmm. course. But there was a snowy night. And... Duffy's was open 365 days a year. Jesus it Christ, didn't matter. keep making all the fucking noise you can, man. Jesus. I don't care about anybody. Fuck your ears, listeners. Sorry, Andrew, that you were interrupted. <laughs> Duffy's open at 365. <laughs> it didn't matter if there was a hurricane, snowstorm, power outage. <coughs> Duffy's would not close. Christmas, open at 7 o'clock on Christmas. Probably just gave it away there, huh? Um, so Duffy's never closed it was a snowy night and snowy nights were fun because you made a lot of money but snowy nights were also not fun because nobody knows how to act when it's snowing Mm. it's not just when it happens when people are driving but people don't understand how to act in general when it snows and it's like a snow day too sometimes where like people are off work or something like that 
Am I, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, snow days are the best bar days. But mm-hmm. but you you got to keep in the context, guys. Baltimore snow is not like snow everywhere else. It's only four inches. You can still drive. You can get anywhere you need to go. But they shut down everything because people in the Mid Atlantic, if they see precipitation, they can't that drive. Is, that's they can't not always work. true. I'm sorry, Andrew. I don't mean to jump over your story, but I remember vividly when we lived at, in Charles Village. Uh, we had a huge snow day where everything was shut down, right? And and like the cars and everything, you, couldn't, you couldn't is, get down Mike, the road. That snow was not real snow. It was like it was oh like a little God. drift. It was not that bad. It wasn't real snow. Jeez, fuck off. I'm over this. I fucking I, I want to go home. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm terribly sorry to keep interrupting. <laughs> it wasn't real snow. You know, it's like Baltimore snow. Guys, it's it's fucking. We're near the Mason Dixon. It fucking snows like wet rain here. Yeah. The, in Steve's defense, this was like three inches of snow. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Hey, it's three a snow inches day. is enough. Three inches is all that you need. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's that's offensive. So <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Question number seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number eight. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's get back to it. Question number seven. Tell us about the snow day at Duffy's. I'm sorry. Right. So so this group comes in. They're fine. Whatever. Everyone's having a good time. And then the bartender with whom I'm working, her name is Grandma, right? Do you know Grandma? Okay. Um, was she the cute blonde that you worked with for the longest time? I don't know what color her hair is, man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if it was if a it gummy was the, bear if, shot, if what it color was, would yeah. it be? If it was the girl that worked with you guys. It was for, Hope. 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 Maybe. No. Maybe it was, but she's not the cute one. So thank God this isn't derailing the story <laughs> yeah. at all. Okay, all right, so all right. there's a so blonde Hope, named Grandma. Hope is bartending. Hope okay. is bartending, and this guy grabs her ass, uh-huh. and she comes to me. And of course, it's a snow day. We don't have any security or anything like that. And she says, "Tells me what happened." So I go over and I tell the guy he's got to leave. I said, "I'm going to give you like three minutes because I treated." drunk people like children mm-hmm. and said i'm gonna give you three minutes to get out then i grab his glass and take it back mm-hmm. this guy then proceeds to knock out his friend <laughs> who's trying to get him out of the bar <laughs> really just stone cold cocks him stone cold no warning no nothing and he comes storming towards the bar and it's like all right well i guess we're gonna do this i really pride myself on never fighting that's like the ultimate last resort right Mm -hmm. so this one there wasn't any avoiding it (laughs) so i come out from behind the bar and we tussle a little bit right and next thing you know i'm on the ground my shirt is ripped and this guy has just manhandled me (laughs) he storms out the front turns and punches through the windows the front windows what the at Duffy's. <laughs> and he about excessive windows. So in the period of like three minutes, this guy has knocked his buddy out. Sexually assaulted somebody. Take, sexually assaulted somebody, taken me to the ground, and then broken six of our windows <laughs> in the front. So this was a place, Duffy's is a place where we didn't call the cops. Mm. Like we just handled our own. That's business. good to know. I'm gonna file that one away. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I notice half the regulars are gone from the bar. This guy has stormed up the street, and he's got six regulars hot on his tail. Oh, they're like going after him. Like, they're going after him. They formed him. a posse, and they're coming after his ass. So, I'm... Uh, it's the dirty dozen. <laughs> Hope is on the phone with the police. 
They're saying they're not going to respond because there's three inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> see what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody gets a snow day. So <laughs> I, flag, I flag down. It's the, insane, dude. <laughs> I flag down the cops that are at the end of the block. The owner, of course, is nowhere in sight at this point. I flag down the cops that are about a block away. They come up and they're like, what's going on? It's like, you guys didn't hear the loud sound of glass shattering and people screaming on this silent snowy night <laughs> sorry we were listening to mariah carey's all i want for christmas uh on full volume in the in the squad car it's so a snow day, you know <laughs> at this point the guy's buddy has come to and he says well i have his id <clears throat> i said fine talk to the police give him his id whatever that is one of those moments where if any if your friends are going to incriminate you, this is when you know if this is an actual friend. Friendship, yeah. exactly. <laughs> because I'm telling you. I if, think the moment was when he punched him in the face. No, no, no but like, my point is, when that guy then wakes up from being knocked out by his yeah, friend, he has yeah. a choice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He can turn him into the police or not. Yeah. A real, oh, no, I have his ID. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a real deep friend goes, even though I hate him and he just knocked me out cold on this bar floor, I'm not going to give the mm-hmm. police the ID. And then there's the friend that's like, Fuck this guy. (laughs) His name's Jacob. (laughs) So they're dealing with the police. I'm trying to find a shirt. Actually, a customer gave me. I I had this one pattern shirt. I had like six of them because I kept ruining shirts bartending. It was the same pattern. And they were all, I would just use them interchangeably. But that shirt of the evening was now ripped and I wasn't going to wear a ripped shirt. Mm -hmm. So... Actually, a customer gave me a shirt that was a similar pattern mm. off of his back wow. that night. But that's not the fun part of the story. The fun part is when I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize. And it's one of the regulars. And he said, hey, we're outside of this guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? What? <laughs> And hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's break this down for a second. Hold on. I'm going to call you back on a payphone really quick. (laughs) A regular at a bar is calling their bartender to let them know they're out front of the house of the man that just caused the ruckus. There's so many things wrong with this situation. How how, how, uh, much time had passed, did you say? It was about 10 minutes. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Jesus Christ. So, and where they actually got got where they had walked to it was an impressive 10 minutes like they were all hustling he was a college kid he saw them behind him he's running he locks himself in this house that's what i'm assuming right? how can he run in the snow i'm from baltimore <laughs> snowshoes so uh, what i do is i run really fast and i power slide <laughs> i run really fast and i power slide if i'm wearing my heelys <laughs> so so they say what should we do and i said are you guys serious right now like, finish him. <laughs> and they said, yeah, do you want us to go in? You want us to, like, set it on fire? What do you want us to do? We could get him and bring him back to the police. <laughs> or oh, back to the bar. That'd be awesome. I said, you know what? Why don't you guys come back? <laughs> the voice of reason. Trying, trying at this point not to become an accessory yeah, to some exactly. sort of crime. There's phone records, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why don't you guys just come on back? We'll let the police handle it. Yeah. So the uh, the police said, we're not going to do anything. And it's like, should I call these guys back and tell them to go get this guy? <laughs> you don't, but, but I assume that they give you the address and you give the address to the police, right? Yeah, yeah. so everyone, they the police got the address and it ended up, I had to go the next morning to the district court to file a complaint on behalf of the bar 
against this individual. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and did they ever go to court? Hey, they pled out. They they did a plea deal. They they paid for the six windows, the windows he broke yeah. and everything else was kosher after that. You know, we were. Do you ever see him in the bargain? No. You ever no, see him? I didn't. You ever you ever see him through the window? <laughs> I haven't. And the most shocking thing about it though was I did look him look up his uh, court records, mm-hmm. and I saw that this guy was like five two. Oh. <laughs> and and I'm like. Man, that guy packed a lot of mass in that five-two frame. It wasn't mass; it was hatred. It was yeah. just absolute hatred for existence. For being five-two, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, man, you know, maybe this is why I don't fight, though. Because a five-two guy wrestled you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably good. You're more of a uh, test of wits, you yeah. know, like yeah. battle with no, your brain. But, but also, Andrew, like you're one of the people where like um, fight situations can be like if sometimes they're funny. I've seen a girl slap a guy and knock him out, you know, just like hit it in the right spot, turn his lights out, and that was funny. Hit it and quit it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. then there's sometimes where like fights or something going on, or like where somebody like somebody's being victimized. And it's a it's difficult in those that was me in this situation. Fuck off. It was it's difficult in those situations to know what the right thing to do is. You know, especially you know, like you're you're involving yourself. Mike in, makes a sandwich <laughs> and watches. The woman makes a sandwich. <laughs> Jesus, and I watch. you fuck, fuck you. Jesus, you started it, man, you fucking asshole. This pod was no, better when you. So you're anyways, my point is I've seen Andrew in a couple situations where you're. Like, regardless of what the odds are, you're ready to step up to, to try and handle the situation or do the right thing. Well, it's like... I, I, I genuinely really respect It's like he said show. he doesn't want to fight, but, no, you know... Course, and, yeah. I, I pride myself on my ability to prevent a fight mm-hmm. from happening. To, I mean... De-escalate. Yeah. I, I don't have good fight stories, because most of the time I'm successful at de-escalating the mm-hmm. situation and talking somebody out of the bar. Mm-hmm. That one, there was no talking. Yeah. There was just fire in that guy's eyes. Jesus, do you do you remember the fight at Bluestone? Oh yeah, yeah. Were you there that night? Uh, With Thunderfist Troy? <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. I, that was at Bluestone. Yeah. I never knew that. I think I was trying to not name the restaurant, but well, you fucked it up. I don't care. Actually, I really I respect all Thunderfist. I, 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 that was it's a good restaurant. The people took good care of me. So, um, watch I, that video a lot. What video? Uh, the video of that fight. Oh, this is video? video. You have oh, yeah. it? You no, 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 no. I don't have it. But you I don't personally it. have it. But it was that was a great fight. That was a lot of fun. I mean, I was like, like I said, during the headlights. But could you track that video down for us? Probably not at this point. Uh, but as far as boomer fights go, that was a great one. <laughs> boomer <laughs> fights, nice. <laughs> Troy Thunderfist, you know, attorney at law. Boom, boomer fist, Esquire boomer fist. I'm sorry. Let's let's move on. You nailed that. No, no. <laughs> yeah, do you want to? That was fuck, great, Michael. Thank fuck you. you guys. The Russian judge gave you a ten you, out you of ten any, for that. Do you discount. have anything else for fights, arrests, and fires? No. All right. Question number eight: Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. This originally was just uh, the sexy Lexi. Lexi just, <laughs> just yeah. I've got CTE too. Dude, you're killing it, bro. Oh my god. So this originally was just sex stories because you know obviously customers are coming in, getting drunk, doing crazy stuff. But then also uh, being behind the bar in the restaurant, you're rubbing elbows a lot. There's a lot of friction. We were talking about it earlier. Um, <laughs> That's what I refer to as anal, anal sex, we rubbing had, elbows. We had to open up this question a little bit because it is a party scene. Even if it's a nice place, you know, casual fine dining like Bluestone, people are going out to have a good time, have some drinks. So we had to open this up to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Tell us about the party scene. 
I was not prepared for that one. My first thought was, I married the hostess, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, dude. (laughs) The restaurant love story? Yeah. Tell us that. Tell us the restaurant love story. There's not much to it. I married the hostess, man. No, but come on. Tell us your guy's love story. There has to be a little bit more to it. You have two kids. Yeah. You have a beautiful life with this woman. Mm -hmm. Well, how'd you, when did you first notice her? What was the, because mm-hmm. was she working there first? Were you working there first? How'd you first, you know, because workplace interactions, workplace romances always start with an awkward mm-hmm. yeah, sort yeah. of interaction. Yeah. So I was working there first. Didn't actually notice her at first, but, you know, as you get to know everyone, because I was working my way up through the kitchen. From busser and everything else. Yeah. And she was the hostess and finally caught her eye and we we really started out as friends and throughout my time at bluestone we remained friends and i told her when i realized she was interested in me because she she was pursuing me even though at that point like that's like 2014 i'm a hot mess at this point it was, you know, you were, yeah you're, you're i was sloppy at this point but <laughs> she was you. pursuing me for whatever reason <laughs> i leave bluestone and it's like okay well now we can date previously i didn't want to have that workplace relationship Shit everyone's situation. been through that everybody's involved it's with always it. <clears throat> sloppy so yeah. to reuse the word uh so once i left bluestone then it was like okay well we can start to date mm. and actually and i'll reference back to this but she was really the driving force behind me getting sober mm. so like as we got more serious her family's moving to florida and we decided to move in together rather than her move to florida at that point as well so once she lived with me and she saw what a mess I really was at that point, she's like, look, you got you to gotta get sober. And I realized at that point... It's me and the lifestyle. I got to get sober. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was my I Married the Hostess story. At that point, once I got sober... It... I think it's beautiful, man. Yeah, and she's a sweetheart, too. And I'm, I'm, I've just been so happy for you guys. I love you. You're, you're, like, we've talked about this over and over... Andrew and I are not friends that we fly. Don't inch away from me, motherfucker. Get back here. I got you. I'm just saying, and we've been. It's safe over we, here. It's been. It's been a. It's been a solid friendship from the time we started hanging out. We maybe we don't see each other very often, but I love you very much, and I'm just. I'm so glad to see the life that you're living with your beautiful wife and your beautiful children. And it, it's just. It's, it's. I'm happy to be a part of it. Can you zip your pants back up, please? Can I get back to my answer? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Um, hey, Mike, I love you too. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. It's on record now, motherfuckers. Wow, a rare, genuine moment between the two of you. <laughs> um, no, in all seriousness, I think um, we, we uh, you know, look, the lady and I met at a bar. She walked into DOS the day after she broke up with her, with her um, concrete. Uh, boyfriend. And it was a week after I had broken up with my uh my partner at the time and it's just it's crazy how many romances start in these settings you know it's a cliche oh we met in a bar right you know but uh yeah that cliche is different though it's not we met at a bar it's we met working i know i know that's what i'm saying you know i'm just saying yeah there there is something special about like um kind of like you meet somebody that also understands the bullshit of this industry Mm -hmm. right like we said earlier because those are the only people who can associate with you. <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, I also love that, you know, ultimatums are something that I really, uh, uh, just as a human being, are averse to. Um, I find yeah. myself to be fiercely independent, so I hate when people give me ultimatums. However, I do love 
that you had this moment of clarity where you're like, I have this really special person in my life. And it's maybe not an ultimatum, but like, hey, you got to get straight or, you know, we can't we can't have the life that we want to have. And I think that you obviously made the right decision. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah you, were, you were a lot more fun back then, but that's fine. I definitely was more fun back then. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. But, but you know what? It works. It works for now, I guess. So okay, so that was a wonderful love. Do you have any fight uh, or uh, sex stories, drugs, or rock and roll you want to share with the people? The the other one that came to my mind was my first day at Bluestone. Okay. So I'm fresh out of the retirement home, and fresh out of retirement, <laughs> fresh sorry. out of retirement. I'm ready to hit the restaurant industry. I've heard stories, but I haven't actually worked in restaurant industry in the restaurant industry yet. So I'm at Bluestone bussing tables, and I have to use the bathroom. So I go. And just before the door shuts, and it's the single, single stall, it's a, a single bathroom. Just before the door shuts, a foot slides in. And it's like, what's going on? And this guy comes in and shuts the door forcefully and locks it. And it's like, man, what the hell is this? Now it's this? just the two of you in <laughs> now there? it's just the two of us in there. <laughs> and he says to me, hey, man, you're new here, right? And I said, yeah. He said, all right, well, I don't know what you're into, but whatever you want, I can get it for you. He said, you want that weed? You want girl, boy? Listing this whole thing, this whole rundown. (laughs) He said, whatever you need, I got to get that. I got it for you. Can I get some weed and some boys? (laughs) (laughs) He said, "I, I could do special stuff for you. Whatever you need, I can cook something up, blah, 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 blah. He's just going on and on. And it's like, honestly, I just need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Come to find out later that this guy has recently been released from prison. And he has, he went on his vacation because he shot somebody in the head. And it's like. By accident, of course. I'm sure. Yeah. And it's like, this is my introduction to the restaurant industry. (laughs) Right. Let me get my seatbelt on. We're going for a ride. <laughs> yeah. You're not making Christmas with the family, bitch. <laughs> I mean, I've been cornered, but I haven't been cornered and locked into a single stall it's bathroom. Like, it's like a way worse. Human. It's like a, it, it makes me think of uh, Shawshank Redemption, where he's like, I'm the man that can get things for you, but it's way more intense. <laughs> yeah. And you can't escape the room. <laughs> you know, I, I, I suppose that sounded intimidating, and it was way more... In, it sounds way more intimidating than it was. Like, he was completely jovial mm. the entire like, let time. let me help you. Yeah, I'm, like, I, got, I, got I am you. your guy, buddy. We can be good friends through this. I can get you anything you need. Could he produce? Could he get you the shit that you needed? I would imagine 100% yes. Okay. And, and the best saute cook I've ever seen work. Really? <laughs> oh my God, he was incredible. When, when you're making Merlot in a toilet, you know, you get pretty good at, at cooking short order, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a prison joke. I apologize. <laughs> uh, you want to work that into a bit later? You, you ever, you ever had Pruno before? Every weekend. <laughs> Since I was fucking 13. <laughs> All right, you what have to you shake that out. <laughs> God damn it. See, I'm too drunk now. You have to... you, see, now you have to learn how to edit and do the podcast. <laughs> uh, you do have to shake that out. I literally only said that to you because it's you, and I don't. I would never say that word. Oh, man. God damn it. Now you have to shake that All right, out. Uh, so, Andrew, it's been nice talking to you, but we, we got to go now. So. All right, bet. <laughs> All right, before we close uh, category number eight, I do have one that I want you to tell us about. Okay, oh, so no. we say... 
you know, I've thought about all the categories and, you know, honestly, fights, arrests, and fires, we could have done it then. But I think this is just about as good a time as any to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. What happened to the street you were living on? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. All right. So, all right. And I'm going to set it up for you. Yeah, set the I'm going to set it up for you. So Baltimore is a city of neighborhoods, mm-hmm. all right? If you're from Baltimore, you could live a mile apart, and it's a totally different ecosystem. Mm-hmm. At the you, could, top, you could live a couple streets it's apart. Crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a neighborhood. You know, they call it Smaltimore because there's these little pockets. Mm-hmm. Of different ecosystems. And where Mike and I lived at the time was called Charles Village. It still is called Charles Village, by the way. but Yeah, but I'm just saying. Where we lived at that time was Charles Village. Andrew also lived there, only a couple blocks Literally down from us. Literally a couple blocks away from us. We yeah. were on the corner of 27th and Maryland. He was on the corner of 26th and St. Paul. St. Paul, Paul, right? Just just right around the corner. And, you know, I remember dropping you off to your house on occasion. I remember walking, oh, yeah. I, I, I walked, walking over I there on a football there Sunday, out, yeah. hanging out, smoking some weed, yeah. fucking around, right? Good times. And then all of a sudden, I get off work one day, and I'm driving home, and I get the radio playing in my car, and emergency services is like taking over every radio station. City street collapses in Baltimore. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm sure it's somewhere. Yeah. It's not in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, Baltimore is this old industrial colonial town that at the time the infrastructure was not as, it's improved a little bit since then. Not a lot, but a little. <laughs> anyway, I get home, I turn on the TV and, and I can't seem to hear the TV because the sound of the helicopters <laughs> over top of my house are so loud. And I'm like, huh? It's close. <laughs> and then as I continue to watch Fox 45's coverage, I'm like, huh, that looks a lot like Andrew's apartment. You want to tell him what happened? Yeah, well, wait, yeah, go on, Andrew, yeah. So the street that I lived on, across the street rather than there being houses, was a retaining wall leading down to a railway truss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yeah, was you have for, all the correct words too. I love that. I was trying to tell the story earlier and I was like it's like a, it's so like a dumb. steep incline and like there's a uh, tunnel. So anyway, go on. <laughs> so maybe a 30 foot drop from the road Easy. down to yeah. the where the freight trains went past. And the house would literally shake as trains would go by. Like it was it was a pre-1900s house. It wasn't built to last, and somehow it had, but this thing would shake when the trains would go by. So we had a lot of rain. April. April. I forget what year. Spring but. showers, May flowers. Or so we had, yeah. we had a ton of rain that year. April showers, May Shut flowers. That's what it is. And <laughs> while I was at work, the rain had gotten to the point that the retaining wall just couldn't retain anymore. <laughs> it couldn't do its one job it set out to do. It's like a bar back that doesn't know how to flip a trash can. <laughs> so for the three days prior, like the street was kind of at an angle, and I'm using my hands again, but the street was kind of at an angle. You noticed you it before? Oh yeah, because really, a few nights prior, prior, someone had stayed at my house, and they said, "Am I okay to be parked over here?" Mm. The street is lopsided, and I said, "Oh yeah, it's like that." Yeah. It's, it was actually at a down angle toward the retaining wall? Yeah, but it would... I never heard road, this part. The road was at a downward angle, and then the sidewalk and, like, the grass, the, the right-of-way or whatever, was flat again. 
So it didn't really make sense because the road and then was flat. going. It almost looked like it was caving into the the corner of the curb. Exactly. Okay. There so, were signs. And then that day I'm at work and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. And I've got my father saying, don't go home. Don't look at the news. Come right home <laughs> to our house instead. So obviously I went and looked at the news. And I see that <laughs> my entire street had collapsed onto the railway truss. Collapsed. <laughs> collapsed. It collapsed. The wall like gave 30 way feet down. down. Everything up until, up until about maybe 10 feet of road remained, and the rest had collapsed onto the tracks. Mm-hmm. Anybody whose car who was parked there, on the railway tracks. Go and on. of course, you know, infrastructure is infrastructure, so therefore the city's first move is to start clearing cars. Mm-hmm. Because they've got to get these train tracks clean. They don't mm-hmm. care that the wall's not there anymore. Everything's settled, right? You could still get trains through. People have to get their orange juice. <laughs> so I ended up having to go back to my parents' house for, I think it was 67 days. Oh, wow. While they determined... Can you live in your home? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah, while they determined whether the houses were or were not suitable. Mm-hmm. But, of course, when I left for work that morning... I had one pair of clothes. I wasn't thinking, all right, I'm going to be out of my house for 67 days. They wouldn't even let you go into the house? They would, but you had to have ID. And my ID, I had never transferred over to that address. Oh, man. So they wouldn't let me onto the block. So I had to get a construction worker to walk me in. And he walked me into my house. I said, am I going to be able to leave through the front door? And he said, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm up in my room packing as big a suitcase as I possibly can because I don't know how long I'm going to be out Mm -hmm. of my house for. And they start tearing things down. Uh, I think it was the tree in front of my house. They start tearing down. So now I'm just like clueless. I've got to get out the back door, whatever. So I finally got out the back door, got everything packed, got everything locked up, and a police officer sees me. And he's like, what are you doing here? I said, this is my house. And he said, nobody's supposed to be in these houses. We haven't let anyone into the house. I said, well, the construction worker up front let me into the house. It's my house. And he said, wait here. I'm going to go check on that story. Oh, my God. And it's like, all right, I think I'm going to leave. And he said, is this your stuff? And I said, yes. It's my stuff. I have keys. You watched me lock the door. <laughs> and he said, all right, just don't move. So I left. <laughs> and I need to go back into my house for another 67 days. And then for, I think the city's estimate was three months that it was going to take to have the road operable again. And 18 months later, they opened up the road. Wow. And it's a beautiful road now. <laughs> it really is. It was surreal when it happened. I remember us walking down to like, you know, like, hey, let's all get a beer and yeah, let's go pretty fucking much tail- is exactly what happened. Let's go let's go tailgate this situation. Exactly. And I just remember Mike saying, Man, I feel really bad for Andrew. <laughs> Dude, my car was parked on the street the night before that happened. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. I was still convinced to this day that your car was one of the cars washed away. Oh no, my beautiful Chrysler LeBaron was okay. <laughs> Thank God. You know, John Voigt drove that car. <laughs> drove it. He drove, he drove it. that car. <laughs> drove that car. God Is it the alcohol or the CTE? We'll never know. I'm quite sure I have a picture of Michael on an excavator. 
from that construction site. No. That's, that's evidence it, that we can't release to the public. No, please. I ha- try to find that. That would be something really special. <laughs> the cops were pissed. We were all like, you know, voyeurs walking around. Like, and they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what? This is a, we're dealing with shit. I remember us, uh, me actually yelling at a cop. I was like, do you live here? No, you don't fucking live here. You're from fucking Hartford County, you cunt. I live here. I fucking live here. I can look at whatever fucking grab site I want to. Well, we, we will put this because this there, there's a video on YouTube. Oh yeah, we'll put this video up. This is literally from steps away from Andrew's place. It's wild, and it's just a weird little tangent. But it was it was weird. The whole street just fucking collapsed. It was something else. All right, I I, I appreciate you uh, humoring me in that little detour. Let's move on to question number nine, Mike. Why don't you team up? Hazing pranks and games, and I know I'm excited for this one because I know I'm probably a part of it. Uh, so this is something that uh, we love this question. Steve and I's favorite question. Steve and me is, I don't know. Uh, initiate, initiating new workers, uh, passing the time, um, you know, building relationships while fucking with people is kind of the, the, the whole spirit of this question. So just give it to us. All right. So we had a server or busboy. I don't know what Steve was doing at the time. This yeah. was a different Steve. But we had a... A lesser Steve. A lesser assholes, Steve. But, working... And he was starting service bar. And Steve was this really excitable young man. Doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> and he was professing his love because everybody else at the, uh, on the staff drank Maker's Mark. And he was professing his love for Maker's Mark. So one day I pulled him aside in service bar. And I said, hey, man, I got to give you a heads up. You sound like a jerk. And he said, what do you mean? I said, it's not Maker's Mark. It's pronounced Macker's Mark. I said, if you go to Kentucky and you call it Maker's Mark, everyone's going to think you're a loser. Like, (laughs) they're just going to think you have no clue. So you got to say it right. Say it. So he, he went along. And like six months later, I had forgotten about this. Except every once in a while, he would say it. Like, he would order it. We would go to a bar after work, and he'd say, Can I have a Macri's Mark? <laughs> and, like, six months later, he and comes you, to me. You're, you're, you're holding back the laughter, oh, yeah. right? You're, you're biting your lip you're as you're trying. You're patting on the back, like, yeah. good job, buddy. <laughs> and nice pronunciation. <laughs> six months later, he comes to me, and he says, Hey, my dad says you're an asshole. <laughs> and I said, Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, but give me, give me some, <laughs> some give me some more. And he said, it's pronounced Maker's Mark. He said that you were just messing with me. And I said, man, I forgot about that. <laughs> Have you really been calling it Maker's Mark this whole time? And he said, yeah, I, I could have sworn. I thought I was like, you know, I wasn't going to correct anyone saying Maker's Mark, but I felt so good about myself. And it's like, oh, Stevie, I'm sorry, buddy. On behalf of the other Steves, we're a gullible bunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will he, tell he, you, he, we he are didn't tell me the full bunch. story, but he told me this earlier, and I'm sorry. I, like I, I worked with Steve. Oh my god! Like just the idea of him going out to the bar and be like, "Yeah, I'll take a Mackers, you know, neat, you know." <laughs> Mackers, Mackers, yeah, Mackers, Mark. Hey, can I get some Mackers? <laughs> you just have to think this guy is handicapped. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one I had for this, Kansas, uh, Michael, you probably uh, played this. When I started working at Duffy's on Sunday nights, I was the only bartender, and I would have about six customers throughout the night. 
So I had to figure out how to sell Duffy's on a Sunday night, because who really wants to do it? So I would, of course, do what every young bartender does, and I'd blow up everyone in my phone, saying, hey, you got to come see me at work, blah, 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 send whatever specials or whatever you had to do. Take I was picks, making yeah. my own business. Uh, at, at Bluestone, I was trying to get people there, whatever. I created a game, the ring game. Well, I, yes. I didn't create it. I can't take credit for creating it, but we started to play the ring game where I would go and roll up a, uh, aluminum foil into a ring. Yes. And customers would then sit How at the bar. How big are we talking? We're talking maybe three inch diameter. Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking like a ring you could wear on a thing. No, no, bigger No, like that. bigger. Uh, like a carnival game. Yeah, like a... Like carnival. ring toss. Ring or, toss, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. ring toss. And whatever it landed on, you would get a shot of it. And it didn't matter Great idea. if it was like Red Breast 12 Year or whether it was uh, Peppermint Schnapps. You know, that was what you got. I like you threw it at, you got it. Carnival style. So, yeah, so we started a little carnival in the bar. And, and between that and the industry, people, Sunday nights, and I hope uh, Sunday nights really started to pick up. And then people were like, can we play the ring game? Mm. And I was like, you know, maybe we should keep this little quieter guys and then someone would say to the owner with an earshot of the owner hey andrew do you want to play the ring game meanwhile it's like saturday night and we're six deep at the bar and it's like why don't you go down the street i, I think you're done here for the night you're talking gibberish yeah i i, I don't know the what ring you mean. game Dude, so the ring I, game? I, I, so i remember the ring game yeah can uh, did you charge people for the initial toss it was like a dollar or two. yeah something like that yeah okay so we actually probably turned a profit on it because people were horrible and most yeah. of the time they were landing on schnapps anyway. Or you were just missing. Yeah. You were just missing, yeah. But it was a great way to, I mean, people got into it. People had yeah. fun with it. Yeah. Because if you can land on that like, really expensive liquor, you're just like, yeah, fuck you. That's, yeah. Give me that dollar shot, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is some, uh, there is some just like... Uh, carnival game to it because the entire ideas of the carnival game is it's just intriguing enough that it's stupid. It's yeah. so stupid. Oh yeah, but it's just intriguing uh, intriguing enough that you're like, this is stupid. So of course I could conquer it, right? <laughs> like you convince yourself in your head, like oh, I'm gonna be the best at this. I'm the Tom Brady of ring toss, you know. <laughs> and next thing you know, you've had three shots of creme de menthe. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, precisely. Do you have any more for hazing pranks and games? Because this is Mike and I's favorite category. Someone you get exo- your hands off that bell. Okay, this isn't even hazing. I also love that you actually had a bar game because the first episode we had a bar game, the Bluestone Booty Game. Uh. We don't have a lot of like actual games. There's a lot of hazing and pranks, and that's fine. But like, we don't have a lot of actual games created at the bar. So I love that. That can you stop breathing into the fucking microphone, you asshole? So, um, God damn. Okay, this is not this is not a game or a prank or anything else. This motherfucker, Andrew, right fucking here. <laughs> Look, the towel whipping is kind of funny because you know anybody can towel whip each other. Oh, I gonna gotcha. Andrew would just come up while I was was fucking busy and making drinks at service bar and shit, and he would like help me out and stuff, and then he would just hit me in the fucking testicles as hard as he fucking could. Thank you. It was never as hard as I could. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's probably true. But I'd be standing there just working with him, and then boom, and just he just drop you, man. Like, 
It's not, that's not a game or a prank. That's just mean, <laughs> you son of a bitch. You hit me in the testicles too many fucking times. And it, that's it's a dangerous game to play, too, because you're like, well, I'm going to get you back. But then the game, you're like, I don't want to get hit in the nuts anymore. Oh, I like, thought you were going to say it was a dangerous game because you actually want to do something with your sperm one day. Oh, well, that's not my choice, but... Um, <laughs> Andrew's face right like, I donate plasma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck you. It's basically what I'm trying to say. Oh, also, can we tell really quick? Uh, since you know this whole fucking episode has gone completely fucking wonky. <laughs> whenever I fuck, when, when you taught me at, when you taught there's me there's a lot of finger pointing right now. <laughs> when you yeah. taught me at service bar, there actually is. Why can you stop pointing? When you your taught finger, me stop at ser- your when you taught me at service bar, and you taught me well, and I started getting good at, at bartending and making drinks. Debatable. And I made that apple martini. I made several apple, apple martinis for, for a table. You taught me how to make the apple martini. You came because we were getting crushed, and you had to make one for me because we were just all, we, we were trading tickets. And they brought it back, and they were like, this is fucking trash. Make it like you used to make it. Make it, make it like you did before. Fuck you. I'm better than you. Is what I'm <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That, jo- that joke that didn't terrible land. Setup. That was what a terrible setup. You know, it's funny. He's actually told me this story like a hundred times. No, I told this on the no, first episode. Yeah, he's told me this story a hundred times, and I'll just tell it again better than Michael just did. So Michael's <laughs> big thing is that he was learning from you, and he really appreciated that, and he was learning all these great drinks, and he could discernibly see that he was getting better. Like as you were teaching him, customers were starting to give him feedback of this drink's good, that drink's good. And it, it was this moment where he was like, he felt validated personally in his service industry career, but he also was like, I have a really good friend that's taught me no, a lot of cool nothing. things. No, that was nothing. It was mic drop. It was like, yeah, eat it, dick. And then and I hit then him like, right in the balls. And then, Boom. And, then there was this, and then there was this night, and then there was this night where he had been making a lot of apple martinis and you come and make one and the customer sends trash. it back and they said the one you made was trash and it, for whatever reason it is this like villain origin story <laughs> for michael where it's like oh the teacher has become the student or student master. has become student has become the, the master right he was he, he's not even validated by his own accomplishments he's validated by the fact that a customer said your drink was not great in that moment you know what, Mike? It wasn't about making drinks. It was about making friends along the way. Fucking gay, dude. Here we go again. This fucking... Okay, question number 10. So we're not 10. releasing this episode, Firing right? and quitting <laughs> stories, releasing. or as Steve and I affectionately refer to this as... Getting 86. That's right. So we want to hear about somebody leaving, quitting, or getting fired in a spectacular way. Going down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> you know, I had one queued up for this, but then another one just hit me. But it would I'll make it quick. Okay. We had at Bluestone a cook who was fired. And Bluestone is located directly behind uh, the light rail station. It is so hard to find that place, by oh, the yeah. way. It is in an industrial park. Yeah. I do not understand it. So... And there, there's the Lutherville Industrial Station or whatever, right behind right. it, the yeah. light rail station. 100%. And this young man was fired. He goes running back inside through the back door, at the kitchen door, when he hears a train coming, grabs an armful of beef tenderloin, and takes off onto the light rail. 
And all I could think of after this guy was let go, first off, he had family members who were working there. <laughs> but all I could think of was sitting on the light rail, say you picked it up at Hunt Valley, and somebody jumps on and they're carrying eight <laughs> beef tenderloins. Also, they're wearing pants that have, uh, of, uh, have jalapeno peppers on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and an apron. And and he, that image still cracks me up. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> but the other one I have is just when I was 86th from the industry. Mm. And that ties right into uh, my relationship with my now wife. Mm-hmm. But when I was let go for a jo- from a job because of my drinking problem, and I decided between everything, everything came together perfectly in that moment to get me to take care of myself and take care of my mental health is meant and, to be it was uh, the right timing yeah and and that probably is the most this isn't like emotional i just blanked on a word here but that was like <laughs> a really significant moment in my life cuz it was a moment of clarity where i realized i needed to get my life together and i had it was a pivotal moment i had two choices to make and here we are 7 8 years later and Pretty, pretty sure I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. So that was my getting 86th. Yeah. Well, can, can, can we, can can we, talk, about, can we talk about it at all? Can, we, can yeah. you take us through the day, like the last day, the last moment when you I, I, left I, I the wor- industry? I worked because that night, by the way. We, we teased this, but you, you earlier today said this oh, is no, the... Oh, no, that's a different one. You Wait, said... No. Yeah. What are you fucking talking about? Oh, yeah. this is a different one? Yeah. No, he was still at Duffy's after that, right? Yeah. You're, ta- you're talking about Blue Star or Duffy's? No, Duffy's. Uh, Duffy's. Yeah. He ended it at Duffy's. Okay. He well, left. You Blue- are a degenerate. I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> no, because after Kansas went back to Kansas, you were still at Duffy's. We would come and see you, and that's when Bailey was starting to bartend. There yeah, exactly. At the time, and then obviously now Bailey fucking runs his own bar, which is crazy. But um, I want to hear about the last day. I want to hear about when it comes to to an end, and the reason why is because. Uh, you know, when we're talking about getting 86, we teased at the beginning of the show that this was the first maker's mark you've poured for somebody in yeah. seven years. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it really is not an exciting... I, I went out with more of a whimper than a bang. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't an exciting thing. It was just on a bender and sobering up and... At work, my performance, this was at a different place. Mm-hmm. My, my performance hadn't been up to par. So it was another snowy day. I guess I'm, I just don't interact well with the snow. But, uh, <laughs> Most Marylanders don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I went home and it was like, well, you know, what do I do? Because everything is falling apart around me. So... I need to figure out roads. some sort of plan. Have roads, everywhere. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> Fucking roads. <laughs> so <laughs> I blame the entire situation on Sam. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> so at this point, like everybody in my life is basically telling me, "You got to do something, bud." Before you really i mean you're you're just headed in the wrong direction everyone is when everyone is telling you something you should probably listen 
Yeah, that's exactly when you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world. It's the and worst. Everybody is wrong, and it's nobody knows what they're talking about. Everyone's wrong, but that's when you need to just shut up and listen, mm-hmm. and and realize that not everyone else is crazy. You are the crazy one. You are the one who is dysregulated. You need to just take whatever step. So my step was that I needed to go away for a while. So I got checked into rehab, did 30 days there. And as Michael can attest, I kind of, well, a lot of people can attest. I kind of fell off the face of the earth while I was. uh, You needed to do that. Just trying to become normal again, re re-enter society, reestablish and, yourself. Yeah, I, 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 the only caveat I have there is you, like as a friend, you've always been available, you know, to me. I, I'm just saying, you, you know, even though you needed your time to figure your shit out, you've always been an available friend. Yeah. So I, for for me, you never fell off the face of the earth. It's maybe the, maybe the fate. I actually want to let Mike. I want to let Mike cook in the face of the the street. No, be genuine because you actually were on a trip there. I'm just. I was just wanted. I just wanted to explain that too. Like you didn't just. For me, at least, you never shut people out. And it's such a perception thing, right? Yeah, it's definitely a perception thing. I, I think it's hard when you're on a particular track and you have a mindset of like, this is who I am. This is how I do it. This is my interactions. Right. This is my pace. And then you decide. To make a big change, a 180 sort of change, which is what you're talking about. And um, yeah, you do have these really like visceral ideas of like, man, uh, people are going to think of me in this way. I'm going to have to cut them out. I'm going to have to distance, distance myself. And you're, you're, you're going through a moment of a lot of self-criticism. Oh, yeah. You, you have to, it's part of process, right? I have to imagine in that moment, you're going through a lot of self-criticism. And so you're being more critical than maybe even the rest of the people mm-hmm. around you who yes. love you are even, even doing. So that's, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just, that's a fascinating kind of um, counter space in between the two, right? Like mm-hmm. I was fucked up, getting fucked up on a wrong track. I am on a good track, but that space in mm-hmm. between is this like no man's land where it's hard to really describe. Mm-hmm. And that's a brutal point. Yeah. Too. I mean, there, yeah, there's really, it's certainly brutal. Just the whole process. Mm-hmm. Like admitting you're wrong, admitting that you, what you're doing is not good for you. And it's not just affecting you, but affecting everyone mm-hmm. around you. I am. I'm so. Uh, I'm so thrilled that you made the decision you did, and uh, we. You know, this show is so adamant about um, mental health. Obviously, we drink on the show. We make drinks on the show. We've had other uh, bartenders that are now uh, 100% sober, and we've done non-alcoholic cocktails before. And I think our big thing is this: this world is a more interesting place with you in it. Part of what that means is like, uh, we want all of you. We don't want like we don't want like a half-ass Andrew, right? We don't want like a half-ass Mike. We don't that's, want a half-ass. That's ass why Steve, I don't say. Right? That's why I don't say the world is a better place with you in it. The world is a more interesting place right. with all of us in it. We all have our flaws. We all have our little idiosyncrasies. We're all here together, and we we need to just try and figure this out together. Um, sorry, I'm a little drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, can I can I ask Andrew? I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. I, no, actually, no, Steve, fine. you were actually what what you were saying. I was I was really my, no no. My only look. My only point there is that we need you to be completely yourself, and that's um, for a lot of people. That is, uh, 
something you learn and you grow into. I know for me, man, my entire life I took everything too seriously and I'm still struggling with that, like to the point where I get intensely angry. My problem is not alcohol. My problem is anger. I get very, I'm very quick to anger and I snowball with these things and it's something that I constantly am thinking about, right? He beats me. I try as much as I can to beat Michael, but no, I, it, you know, we, we are all kind of have our unique thing that we're dealing with. And, um, uh, the point is too, though, I don't mean to interrupt you. Steve. No, go ahead. We don't just need you to be yourself. We all need to try and be a good version of ourselves. That's what I'm saying. The regardless com- of who you are, regardless of the it- faults that we all have, we need all of us to try and figure out where we are as people and move forward. And a lot of that is diverted and shaded when you when you allow other things to come in and and um, and self medicate. Yes. That can be a million oh, escapism. things. It can be a million escapism. Things. escapism. And, and, That's a better way to away it. from it. Yeah, we're not talking about Jimmy Buffett escapism. We're talking about <laughs> fucking like hey. I'm not here right now. You have this version of me. So can I ask, Andrew, um, a big part of, or I'll shake that out, but uh, your wife was a big part of this, obviously. Is there anything else that helped you in your mind make that decision? Because that really is what it comes down to. It's a decision. Yeah, absolutely. It's a decision. And, and I had known, I mean, it wasn't like people, everyone at one time said, hey, man, you probably have a problem. Mm. Uh, it was it was something that I knew was coming, and the hardest thing is taking that first step, right? Making the decision to get help, whether it's rehab, whether it's a 12-step program, smart recovery, it doesn't matter what it is, making that first step into whatever is going to mm-hmm. therapy, whatever is going to help you, or however you think that... Uh, a program or or somebody something will serve you uh in your goals that that's the hardest part just the first step yeah yeah i appreciate you i really do appreciate you sharing this with us being vulnerable i, about I appreciate it. you being vulnerable with us um oh man i i love you i'm so i'm like you have a beautiful family you have a beautiful life every every time i call you and we get to talk it's the same bullshit. You know, I feel like you're hitting my balls over the phone, you know, but <laughs> I love you, man. And honestly, just to bring it out, I don't, I don't know you fucking listeners, but just like people like Regina, um, getting to meet people through this experience, through this stupid fucking podcast has been so incredible. The human Let, capital of the show. Let's is keep doing this. Doing? Let's figure this out. Let's just keep going and let's try and enjoy the beautiful parts of this fucking crazy fucking experience of walking around on a spinning rock in goddamn space, hurtling it to, into infinity. Let's just keep doing this. Yeah. One step at a time. My God, my friend, it would have been great if you actually slapped him in the nuts. The <laughs> that would have been the perfect conclusion to that. Just give him, give him the business. All right. Andrew. Jesus Christ. You've made it through the gauntlet. Bravo, my friend. Thank you. Now, we're going to bring this show to an end. Our last couple categories are called the cleanup and the tip out. Now, the cleanup is where you really get to take over the show. So here's what I want you to do. Number one, shout out some bartenders that might be great on the show people you feel like sh- should be on the show now obviously bailey armstrong bringing him on he's gonna crush but somebody else in your in your service industry career or just your life that you're like they have to be on the show i think uh hope hope mm-hmm. regal Budo would be good uh she worked at 
both the Point and Towson and the Point sorry, the Point and Towson and the Point and Fells. Oh nice. Uh, she has worked well really all over Fells Point, Towson and Ocean City as well. Oh, of course I know her. Yeah, she used um she's a ho- uh, Ocean Pride and Das regular. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I do yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. She's a good friend of uh of our friend Eric Ferber who um shout out. Yeah. So yes, I do know Hope very well. Yeah. Yeah, and the the other one I would think of would be Noelle Swain. She no, that name too. Mm-hmm. Small Tamore. Where does she worked? Uh, he, he just meant that the name Noelle Swain is a fucking name. No, no. no or I, you say you know that name? No, I'm almost certain I know her too. Where does she work too? Uh, she worked at Bar Casino. Um, she worked at a number of properties right. in Fells as well. It's gonna come to me here. I actually think she's one of Sid's friends. I'm not even kidding. I think they're close, but um, I I might be mis uh, mistake. No, I don't know her. Okay, never mind. Um, the name sounds familiar, but maybe it's just like a name in Fells with the bartending scene. All right, so those are good. Noel, Hope, you're both on notice. The gauntlet has been dropped. You need to come on the show. I would love to have Hope on. Hope is a ton of fun. Yeah. She was a oh, yeah. DOS regular when we first opened. She was there a lot. And for years, she was at Ocean Pride when I was there. Uh, she would always come in. Um, I remember she guested a few times at Cooper's when we were down at Fells. So there's been, we've had plenty of interactions. But she's, she's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah, Hope's great. She's friends with uh, some of our owners from the Federal Hill days when DOS was all the way down there on Ford Ave. It's very intriguing. So then the next part of the cleanup here is... <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, well, we've kind of fucked this category up a little bit uh, every time we've done it since we started doing it. But uh, give us some recommendations for people that want to come to Baltimore or Towson or Timonium. Just give them... Uh, places some, you like to go, things you like, you to, like to drink, yeah. that sort of thing. All right. Uh, I've got to preface this by saying any information I give you is way outdated because i live an incredibly boring life mm. now um tell us about it daddy but man duffy's is a good one mm-hmm. yeah people yeah, are never sure. gonna go know. to duffy's you're gonna go to some <laughs> random pub in uh in baltimore and be like i hope this is duffy's this is <laughs> no, no, no. place Here, here's what <laughs> you just do. take a guess it's probably duffy's <laughs> here's what you do okay you're gonna take your supercomputer out of your pocket you're gonna look up cvp fire Baltimore, and then go to the closest Irish, Irish European pub. pub. <laughs> <laughs> to that, okay, that, and bang, you're at Duffy's. Yeah, you're at Duffy's. Oh man, I, I really, I mean, I, I can give you restaurants, but hey, well, how us, about this? Give us a couple restaurants. Let's do something fun. Yeah. Here. Okay, you got two beautiful baby girls. All right, you're you're a daddy. What is their favorite baby food? I mean, what are you what are you uh, cooking up for them uh, during snack time? Help some of the other daddies out here that are now out of the industry. They got babies. Also, got also, what I'm thinking too is like, what do you do uh, with your kids? Like, what's like, what are some of the the things you go out and want to? Yeah, eat? there so, you go. Yeah. All right, all right, that's a good one. That, there you go, Michael. Yeah. So my kids love to be outside, mm-hmm. and they love music and dancing. So we go to a lot of those like free festivals, mm-hmm. whether it's – we've got Artscape coming up next week. Can't wait. We've got uh, pretty much any festival downtown. First Thursdays. First mm-hmm. Thursdays. Uh, even Feet on the Street in Feet Towson. on the Street, yeah, for sure. Uh, so basically those types of events are mm-hmm. kind of what I'm going to now. So I, I eat a lot of food truck food, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Any particular food trucks you like around the 
You know, I didn't realize it, but I went out the other night and realized uh, Pappas has a food truck. They do. It's mm-hmm. an, it's legit. And I heard is it so Oprah's good. favorite food truck, or I'm quite sure it would be. It's Oprah's favorite crab cakes in Baltimore. Come on. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's on their fucking wall. Are is you it really? Yeah, they you can't, you can't take a piss Oprah. without reading about it, for God's sake. I'm sorry, I'm usually you blacked out. You have to shake that out. What? When you say your name, you owe her money. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Come for true? me, Oprah. Is that actually true? I don't think so. But. She's from Baltimore. I think she would support us. <laughs> I hope so. Oprah, please give us your money. <laughs> At least $5 a month. What if we were on the Oprah with the O Network? <laughs> this show? Can you imagine? It would be like the Million Little Pieces guy. Who would be guy? your co-host, Steve? <laughs> Oprah would be like, we need some diversity. We have too many voices talking about, like, you know, the minority and oh LGBT community. We need somebody like bitch. Mike to talk about conspiracy theories in white America. <laughs> like, we finally brought these pieces of shit can to I just justice. Pause? Can I pause Let's for a second? ask them, what, what's wrong with you? Guys, if you're out there listening, please know this really is a joke. I just love giving Mike shit about being from a trailer in Kansas. <laughs> but, but I'm actually racist and sexist and, and he lives in Missouri. Yeah, so well, there's all of those. Like, things. I hate I hate all of you people. Just go fuck yourself. But he loves Oprah, big Oprah fan. This guy, he's yeah, actually, but that's we- a sexual thing. So <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing an Oprah Winfrey shirt right now as we speak. Um, theater of the month. Um, uh, we're gonna have to cut this whole episode out. <laughs> cut the whole episode. <laughs> um, but that's good. No, those are solid. Um, as we cl- uh, close out the cleanup, we also do like to ask, you know, look, we've, we've interrogated you. Mm-hmm. We've asked you to be vulnerable on the show. We've asked you to share a lot about your life, your career, how you got to here. Is there anything we missed? And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about, like, did we miss something about the, the industry, industry yeah. that we need to share with people? Mm-hmm. You know, the gauntlet's pretty comprehensive. Thank I think... Uh, That's what we were going for. Steve and I are intellectuals. It was almost. Ne- Steve did a great job. <laughs> Fuck you! I was there for all that shit. Uh, no, I I can't think of anything. That's right, bitch. All right. Perfect. That works for me. Um, let's move on to the final well, question. I, I, of the can government. I ask it, please? <sighs> Go ahead. Well, you don't still do this, but you did it for a long time. So why did you do that, and why do you fucking hate yourself? I did it because. Uh, it was a blast, man. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, I think, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Mm. Uh, it absolutely was a great time. And even though, like I said, my first answer, your, your coworkers become who you hang out with mm. and everything. It's a great time. Somebody told me uh, when I first started bartending, don't fall into the sexy lifestyle. <laughs> What's the sexy and, lifestyle? And I just laughed at him. And... He saw me like eight years later when I was kind of a mess. And he's like, You fell into the sexy lifestyle. Oh, okay. Did he actually say it to you like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was horrible. But it was a blast, right? Like, where else can you do the things that you do? It does feel in like in the service industry. It does feel like a hot burning flame that uh, one day I won't be a part of again. But, um, you know, the longest stretch that I've been out from the time I was 13 was about a year. Uh, when I first started doing, you know, I got my first career, like big corporate job and whatever. And, um, you know, I went back to it and I haven't been out since. And it just like, at times it feels like it's flickering, like my time in the industry is coming to an end and we're doing this show and 
There's necessity. Making a, making I, a million dollars. Well, there's necessity. I got to make money, right? You know, and um, I love it. And I love being with my people. And you guys are so stupid. It was so fun watching you close the bar last night. Uh, it's, <laughs> you, do you see why it's addicting? <laughs> yeah, no. It's insane. I got free drinks. I was there for it. It's so. insane. But so Mike and Mike and Regina got to close Das Beer Hall mm-hmm. with us last night. Ah, what a privilege! And yeah, they got to sit really, all the way all right. to the bitter end as we counted the money and we did all that shit. And they're watching. Um, our GM, and not who will not be named, and uh, and one of our former guests, Brie Lowry, get into it. I'm talking; these two were fucking at each other's throats, like throwing barbs, like and and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, they're fucking around, <laughs> right?" I'm like, no, "It was I, a real argument," and I wasn't on anybody's enough- side until he poured me a free beer, and then you know he was right. <laughs> Well, and you hate women, so you know that's not also like it's not a surprise that you would side with a man. I wish I could just be my real self on this fucking podcast. I wish I can't because we put it on the fucking internet. Well, your real self is saltwater crocodile, you you piece of shit. So I I do want to say really quick because I know you've been very vulnerable on the show with us, and I know you've said multiple times like, "Oh, I was a mess." I know you you've been through your shit. I also want to just say though that I, I didn't. I moved back in 2015. Uh, to Kansas. I know you were going through your shit, but dude, you were always an incredible person. A great person to work with, a great friend, a mensch, just just a kind, intelligent human being. Always. So I, I, I'm not trying to like blow sunshine up your ass, but I just mean I, I understand. But it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus content, OnlyFans. Um, but I'm just saying, man, um, I know that you've gone through your stuff, but whenever you say I was a mess, like, dude, you were always a good fucking dude. Always a good dude. And, well, uh, thank you. You, you always have been a pretty stand-up guy. And yeah. We appreciate you coming on the show. We had a ton of fun. Let's bring it home with the Let's final bring it home, yeah. question of the evening. Yeah. Andrew, if you opened up a bar, what would you call it or what would the theme be? Did you say bar? Mm-hmm. Or restaurant. Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a bar. Cafe, coffee shop. Yeah. It'd be something small. I'd do like a 30-seater. Uh, mainly restaurant, but just really good sandwiches, mm. good coffee, and a great booze program. Mostly like for net. Limited cocktails. Yeah, aperitifs. Yeah. yeah. Stuff when, like When that. you say sandwiches, are you talking about like a deli kind of setup or? Yeah, like a really nice deli. We're not going to be making... That the- you can get a cocktail at. Yeah. I would love to Actually, get a cocktail at Mastelone's, which is my favorite deli right. here in Baltimore. The idea of being able to get like a, you know, fucking a groanie there with my Italian... Or a bartender's handshake, yeah. Yeah, for example. Yeah. Um, I will tell you this. If you're going to keep it small, do yourself and us and all the listeners and all the patrons out there in the world a favor... Keep that cocktail list 10 or less, man. Oh, I yeah. just feel like these... We, we had this conversation with Regina... You're you're pacing more than 10, 15, 20 cocktails, house cocktails. You're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing drinks to shine. Mm-hmm. You're not allowing people to fall in love with them. You want to turn it over, that's fine. But let's keep it limited. Let's do what we do well and and uh, give the people a great okay, so experience. What, exactly. What's the name? What's the name? Yeah. Man, that's the tough part. Andrew's Meat. <laughs> Andrew's Meatloaf. Andrew's Hot Meat. In your mouth. I'm sorry. I'm not clever right now. I just... <laughs> fuck you, Steve. I got nothing on the name. Submarines and aperitifs. Subs, Subs. and toms. Yes! <laughs> What's it called? Subs and toms, motherfucker. What is it? Subs and toms. 
We got to think. We so subs uh, is obvious because it's sandwiches. We got to think of dom. We got to f- figure out how to twist that to be a drink. It's some Italian word. <laughs> there it is. Okay, there it is. Well, my friend, it was an absolute pleasure doing the show with you. I'm not exactly sure I understand the name. Um, so, subs yeah, and doms, BDSM? No, I get that point. Okay. I don't understand how doms relates to any type of alcohol. They're serving submarine sandwiches, and they also fuck you in the ass if you pay for it. Do you understand it now? Okay, this has been fun. Yeah. I'm glad that that was the note that yeah. we brought this conclusion to the episode on. Thanks, uh, Barflies, if you're out there, you understand what I'm dealing with. Um, and Regina, I'm sure, is going to write a manifesto about the weekend that she's had with us, so I'm going to feel more validated by the minute. But, man, what a pleasure to see you again. What a pleasure to do the show with you. And, uh, guys, thank you for all your stories, all your sentiment, Barflies, and all you other listeners out there, as we always say. Fuck off. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening along, and thanks for drinking along. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, we release new episodes whenever we can. A big shout-out to our friends over at Trauma Parlor, who sung Fast One You Heard throughout the show. Go check them out. They're on Facebook and Spotify, and show those motherfuckers some love. Damn right. And if you want to be one of our regulars, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at the BRP Drink Along. Just BRP Drink Along. Yeah, no, the. BRP Drink Along. You can listen along anywhere you get your podcast just by searching the Bartender Rant Podcast. Please, guys, subscribe, rate, and review. This is the best way to help us grow the show and reach new listeners. The more ratings and reviews, the faster we climb up the charts. And Mike and I, honestly, we just really need some personal validation from you guys. Be sure to check out the BRP playlist on our Spotify profile. We've honestly got some really cool playlists on there for you, just sharing some music. Uh, But most importantly, we have the BRP Industry Night playlist, which each guest that comes on the show gets to pick three songs. They're all added chronologically, so you can go and see what your favorite guest's you know, music taste is. Check out all of our amazing swag. Uh, the link to the uh, is in the show description and on our Instagram page. Please do that. Post some pictures of you uh, supporting us. Yeah, send, send it to us. We'll, we'll put, we, we have a whole little merch thing on our Instagram. Absolutely. Send us a picture of you wearing our merch, and you'll be on, the, on our Instagram. Yeah, we'll support you if you support us. And if you just want to hang out with Mike and me, join us the first Monday of every month for our virtual industry night happy hour. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to meet some fellow bar flies. You're going to listen to the bartender uh, guest playlists. And you can also tell Mike and I how much we suck at podcasting. Make sure you follow us on social media for us posting those links. They usually come out 24 to 48 hours before that first Monday industry night day. Um, now, for all you shit talkers out there, it is your turn on the mic. We've set up a bartender hotline called the Suggestion Box. This is where you can air your grievances, tell your stories, or just rant about the bullshit you just put up with on your shift. Just dial 423-P-O-D-R-A-N-T and drop us a line. Mike and I will play the best of the bunch and react to your crazy stories on this new bonus segment. So the next time the bar business has you saying, fuck me, just dial 423-P-O-D-R-A-N-T. Yeah, and if you want to be one of our VIP listeners, please subscribe to the Bartender Ramp Podcast on Patreon, where you'll get access to our bonus content, like the Boilermaker tapes, like the uh, Suggestion Box, uh, and, and so much more. You know, check that out. It's a great way to help the show continue to grow. You get your name on an episode, uh, or and then uh, also you get some good bonus content from us as well. No doubt, and if you want to be a big tipper, a.k.a. one of our bozels, feel free to leave a tip on PayPal under the Bartender Rant Podcast at gmail.com. If you do, we'll list you as one of our executive producers, 
and shout out your name and drink of choice in our uh, half during our halftime. Well, segment. or maybe at the end. We'll figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Uh, Mike and I do this because we love the industry and we want to bring you guys great content, but this is not our day job. With your not help, yet. we maybe, maybe in time. With your help, we can keep the stories coming and interview local bartenders from coast to coast. And as always, don't just listen along, drink along. Yeah, yeah. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcoholism or substance abuse, please contact SAMHSA's National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Their National Helpline is free, confidential, 24-7, and 365 days a year. Look, we love you guys. We really appreciate listening along, but more than anything, we want you to stick around. And you can't do that if you're not taking care of yourself. So if you do need some help, please reach out to the International Helpline. If you're an international listener, please just get online and find a helpline or a help center near you. And as always, Steve and I are happy to talk to anyone. If, if you need just somebody to, to talk to or vent to, we're happy to be there for you. We can't offer you any professional help, but we really do appreciate you guys being a part of this podcast. And we want you to stick around. And Steve and I are happy to help in any way that we can to make sure that that happens. So. Thanks again, guys. We love you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Quit touching yourself, okay? <laughs> What's wrong, Kansas? Nothing. <laughs> it's too bad we can't do video because you have to remember that. Please stop doing that. Just do it the whole time. <laughs> What's wrong, man? So this is how you, you uncomfortable? This is how you've been making your money. You got an OnlyFans going, right? Yeah. And just that. Just on the couch. So I was working at, um, at the time, I was working at a bar downtown, and uh, when I first came up with the idea for the Bartender Rant podcast, I was like, I should just try... It was my idea, by the way. ...putting it on, like, wax. Like, Shut up, Michael. I was trying to, like, put it, like, let's see how the mechanics of it work. And, and so I came up with, like, a loose, like, framework for the show, and I recorded an episode with this guy, a friend of mine here in Baltimore, who since we don't... Uh, You're not friends anymore? Uh, there was an incident. We've grown apart a little bit, but the long story short is I might be able to find it's actually on my old computer. Yes, I'm serious. That is, should, I, I want anywhere, to hear that. That's computer. worth five dollars right there. I'll yeah, but you. um, anyway, so <clears throat> I I had to politely tell my friend I was like, yeah, I appreciate you doing this with me. I don't think it's gonna work. I, I met this new pretty blonde, and uh, and I went about six months going really well. I, went I about, still want you to be happy, but I went about six months. Michael Michael at the time was actually living in Kansas, and then all of a sudden he moved back. To Maryland mm-hmm. for that short stint where he was six back. Months. He was back for like six months. My dad and, still gives me shit about it. Did you actually live here? Like, yeah, did yeah, you have I literally, housing? I literally. Or, well, he lived with us. You know, he lived on Maryland, right? I literally from you I, then, but I, yeah. Then Andrew, he moved back Andrew, later. I literally moved to one of Tom's places that him and his boss were buying and renovating. To renovate, I was. I had a girl over. We were sleeping in my bed, and when it started raining, it started leaking on us. I was literally there was no air conditioning. No I heat. was literally <laughs> squatting. Yeah, in I was a gonna house. say, did you actually like have a living arrangement, or were you just best squatting? six months of my life? It was just, incredible. Yeah, was there power? Yeah, there was power. Oh, there was power, power, but they were renovating that building, and there was that, power and a actually, lot of meth. 
A lot of methamphetamine. <laughs> yeah, it had a methy vibe for sure. It had a very transpotting Ewan McGregor deep heroin hole vibe too. Nobody frankly. has ever moved to Maryland from Kansas for the meth. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. On that note, well, who, do you, get, who do you think was selling in Maryland? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's get back. To, let's expanding get back. to new markets, baby. That's why you always to, drive. Yeah, that's why we all, and that's also why we always talk about Mike's family business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they built a factory, guys. Yeah. Power boxes. Uh, all much, the power you need. How much meth do you need? How, how much power do you need? <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right. Are we ready? 